It's Friday, July 8th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! is brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. They still got some big, big sales going on down there coming out of 4th of July. We're still enjoying uh, while supplies last. $49.99, my slippers. We got the uh, BOGOs, sheets, original MyPillows, and towels, plus a whole lot of other stuff. That'll give you the best night's sleep you've ever owned when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, riding in a Maybach, the realest shit I've ever wrote. Huh? Oh. Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms will uh, get you all squared away. He's got a newly redesigned, easy-to-use website. Everything gun-related Mike can take care of. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Steak for Breakfast packs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. And they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fuck stuff can be found at Dumpbox. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him at Dumpbox.us. They're on Instagram. And they're on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. Or on our website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patreon Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank's Speech, and now via our verified account on True Social, welcome Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 150. Yay for us. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. 
I don't know. Guys, we got a real banger coming in to end the week. Big political voice in the America First movement, Alex Brusewitz is going to be here. And nominees for Governor of Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, Texas 15, Monica De La Cruz, and North Carolina 1, Sandy Smith will all be joining us. But before we get to any of that, let's get into the news. I don't know if you guys saw it this week, but uh, Boris Johnson's out. Stepping down as uh, Prime Minister of the uh, UK. No, wasn't it um, that he stepped down from the Conservative Party, but Prime Minister, um, he's stepping down in October? Yeah, once a successor's chosen, but uh, they're already starting to uh, push candidates towards the front. Um, uh, you are correct in that, but after about a third of his uh, cabinet walked away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. And it was weird because people would walk away and he would try to appoint new ones. And within 24 hours, they would resign. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, so, so it's gotten really bad there. Uh, he's definitely gone from someone who's enjoyed-ish Trump-era policies to Britain last. Maybe he needs to start appointing some like former bartenders or something. Yeah, if you're looking to enjoy something with your uh, tea and crumpets, we've shared Raheem Kassam's newest article <laughs> on who could be possible contenders for the next prime minister. It's via Newsweek, and it's on all of our social media, so check that out. Uh, Boris, well, he wanted to talk about it a little bit, and uh, let's hear an audio clip from him talking about his resignation. I regret uh, not to have been successful in those arguments, and of course it's painful not to be able to see not. through so many ideas and, and projects. He's a fucking myself. gump. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen uh, at Westminster, uh, the herd instinct is powerful. When the herd moves, it moves. Okay. And my friends, in politics, no one is remotely indispensable. Mm. And oh. our mm-hmm. brilliant and Darwinian system will produce another leader yeah. equally <laughs> committed to taking this country forward through tough times, not just helping families to get through it, but changing and improving the way we do things, cutting burdens on businesses and families, and yes, cutting taxes, because Stop. that is the way to generate the growth Destroyed your economy and the during income COVID. Mm. we need to pay for great public services. And to that new leader, I say, whoever he or she may be, I say, I will give you as much support as I can. You know, a lot of people are, are, are saying that, well, first of all, thanks to the... Uh, as bad as that was, it's still a thousand times better than any Kamala appearance ever. True. Yeah. Um, or Joe Biden speaking. I don't even... Rate him anymore. Uh, he's, yeah. off, he's off the chart. Yeah. <laughs> I like the... Uh, off the chart. The hooligans <laughs> in the back dropping the asshole yeah. the whole time he's talking. <laughs> and, Is that what they were saying? Oh, yeah, such a good I, move. And I'll share that tweet later. You can actually go back and look at it. It's only about a minute long, but there's like two times out of nervousness during the course of that, Boris uh, reached around and scratched his ass. Reach around? Yeah. Stop it. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty weird going on. World leaders worldwide. Uh, we, we, we see this in the latest uh, news of resignations. We've already seen, you know, the current party that's governing Israel be dissolved. We see rumblings that the people in Italy are not happy. Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in France with Macron losing like a third of his party's wing in the last elections, which they they really thought it was going to be way less. Um, You know, and we we did see uh, another tragedy happen yesterday in in Japan where, uh, you know, former Trump appreciator, a real one who actually stood up to the uh, assholes in Europe with Donald Trump when they would go to the uh, G7, the G20, and the NATO meetings. Uh, Shinzo Abe was assassinated last night, overnight U.S. time. Yeah, the the 
the assassin apparently had a bunch of like homemade weapons like did you see it? Like 15 barrel electronically fired shotguns and stuff like that. That's wild. Yeah, there's just a lot of speculation, but now the actual video of him getting shot has come out. There was people being like, oh, there's not as much blood, and, and you know, it just looks weird. And when you see the actual video of the front, the first shot misses completely, and then the second shot obviously hits him. Uh, he was wearing a three-piece suit. Uh, it was from about, I would say, 20 yards away, mm-hmm. and homemade gunpowder and ball bearings is not going to do a movie-style blowout of somebody's body. Yeah, no, that's just a bunch of blunt impacts that just settle in. And and apparently what happens is a lot of them hit major organs, which did the damage that needed to be done. He was dead before he got to the hospital, and, and they were unable to resuscitate him. Very sad to see, you know, him and Donald Trump had a great relationship, like we said. And the media is already attacking him sure. because of that. Calling him divisive, and, and which he was, because he was trying to break up this one-world government bullshit, you know, the, Japan runs on a really strong economy. Uh, you know, they, they uh, want the rest of the world to pay their fair share. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of maybe meeting in the middle on China until Donald Trump came around. And when Donald Trump came around, Abe was pretty much like, you know what? Fuck this and fuck China. And yeah. he kind of went, you know, well, standing. I've been, for, I've been there for a while. Right. But, I mean, th- this guy, he was kind of a legend. He did a lot of comedy skits, even at his old age, to be part of, like, the political person he was kind of like donald trump does and uh you know he was great friends with the president of brazil so you could just tell it's just a whole bunch of chads he even you know sang a little karaoke during the obama administration when he came before the joint session of the house and senate he he took the podium and you know towards the end he was monologuing a little bit and he's like when i come to this country it reminds me of this song and he kind of like spoken word through it but you know he did like people in japan do they love their karaoke so you know it was really sad to see what happened and uh we don't have official reasons yet. Obviously, we know that he was targeted. It was for he was doing a campaign event where he was talking for the party. Elections are now just in two days in Japan. Yeah, what's the Japanese version of MK Ultra? <laughs> well, why, why are <laughs> that might get our show back. <laughs> <laughs> so, the security was like extremely lacking. Like, don't they? I mean, I don't know how it how it is in Japan, but you would assume kind of because of the way our presidents and leaders are. You know, you know what, though? When you when you just look at the raw numbers, you could count gun-related crimes in, in Japan on your hands. And, and yeah, but still, I mean, not even... he's a le- He was a world leader and still a very important person, regardless of whether or not they have guns. Sure, he I definitely was, still had ambassador it, status. Yeah, security could have been a bit tighter, you know? I, I did see a panel talk about it uh, this morning on, on Newsmax. They were talking about that relationship that Donald Trump and... And Abe had, and uh, I want to be able to uh, play a small clip from that. Starting with Shinzo Abe, Hogan, you mentioned former President Trump's relationship with Abe. Can you elaborate a bit on that? I know you said they were great friends and colleagues. They were great friends and colleagues. They understood that their countries uh, needed to work together uh, to make them better on, on the global stage. No question about it. It was always kind of comforting for me as a staffer to be in the room when when Prime Minister Abe would would enter, because I knew the president had someone in there he could trust that he could talk to. They didn't always agree on everything. That's not the nature of their relationship. But Prime Minister Abe had been down to Mar-a-Lago several times. I played golf with with the Prime Minister out here in Sterling, Virginia, uh, just near the D.C. area at Trump's course, too, uh, with the president. And uh, they had just such a great joking relationship on the golf course. But they also understood the business of their of their um, their offices. I mean, when we had a a trade deal fall through with China over in um, Biarritz, France, Donald Trump asked for Prime Minister Abe first and bring him in the room. Let's 
let's figure this whole thing out. And they got together, they worked on it. And sure enough, they had an impromptu press conference with members of the international press, including obviously the American press pool, and talked about this historic trade deal between our two nations. They had a good friendship, but they also had a good partnership from a professional level as well. And like I said, you talk about those world economics and all the things into that. That was one of the, you know, they were the big sledgehammer that kind of leveled that stuff during the Trump administration. And uh, they worked on refining a whole bunch of international trade deals and packs and made it more profitable for both countries, things that we don't normally experience and sure aren't under the current administration. All right, joining us next on the show today, she is the America First candidate, nominee in the Republican Party for Texas 15. Uh, she's running on that big America First platform. She's joining us for the first time on the show today. Monica De La Cruz, thanks for joining us on Stay for Breakfast. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Ma'am, how's everything going on your end? How's uh, the campaign trail been treating you lately? Oh, my goodness. It has been so exciting to see the massive amounts of Democrats that are walking away from the Democrat Party towards the Republican Party, the enthusiasm, the excitement for finally having a candidate that truly reflects the South Texas values has just been incredible. And now we get the tax of the left wing media. So we must be doing something right. Yeah, you, you had major success in, in your primary campaign, and you ran on a lot of the things that are starting to uh, become major items down there. Obviously, the economy and fiscal responsibility, your huge small business because you come from small town Texas, and then obviously border security, which the Democrat Party has completely abandoned, uh, you know, south and west Texas on over the last couple decades. And uh, it's gotten out of control to the point right now to where, uh, you know, places where Republican tickets really hasn't really resonated with the voters in the area, but now you guys are, are running on the things that are important to the people, and uh, you, you parlayed that in, into a primary victory. So uh, it's great to see you running on those issues. What are some of the hot topics right now, you know, in regards to that stuff that, that the people are, are concerned for heading into the general election? Well, it's still number one, uh, border immigration, border national security and the illegal immigration that's yeah. happening. You know, we just saw around the corner right outside Texas 15, a devastating uh, loss of illegal immigrants who were put in a trailer to suffocate in their own feces and urine and eventually just die. And uh, that's at the hands of the Mexican cartel. Yeah. The reason why is because the Biden administration has left our borders open and at the hands of the Mexican cartel. And we see that right here on the border. In addition to that, the everyday family is struggling with high gas prices, worried about how they can even afford to drive their car to work. Um, the cost of food, you're seeing shelves that are bare. And so this is a really really scary time, especially for myself as a small business owner and prices going up and customers holding on to their hard-earned dollars. Yeah, it's, it's the economy is out of control. The border is broken. And, uh, we, you know, we, we covered that tragedy that happened down there a couple of weeks ago. But it's just one of the things that's, you know, regularly seen uh, on such a consistent basis. We know you're a huge supporter of law enforcement and especially the uh, men and women who are tasked with, well, not protecting so much right now, but processing the mm. disaster down at the border. And uh, we really appreciate that. But the fact of the matter is, is that they're beat up and, and their morale is real low. We've seen them, you know, 
uh, go after the uh, chief of the Border Patrol. We've seen them go after the head of Department of Homeland Security to their faces in the last year. And that really says a lot about how bad it is down there. And uh, we're really hoping that when you get to Congress, you could work on some of those comprehensive border issues to get this, uh, you know, real human crisis down there under control. Look, I am proud to have not just once, but in two elections, the endorsement of the National Border Patrol Council. The Border Patrol Custom Agents and their um, family of law enforcement officers know that I stand strongly behind them. And when elected, that will be my number one service to my country, is to give them the support that they need to truly defend our front lines here on the South Texas border and give them the support that they so desperately need and are not getting from Democrats and the Biden administration. Yeah, it's one of the things where, you know, they've been completely abandoned by their bosses in the Beltway and, uh, you know, they're doing the best they can. But we know at the end of the day, they, they need a lot more resources and they need a lot more uh you know, of that border getting locked down than we have open right now. I want to kind of switch gears. You know, you and uh, Myra Flores and, and Cassie Garcia were roped into a New York Times hit piece earlier in the week that talked about the uh, rise of right-wing Latina conservatives. <laughs> yeah, uh, not definitely some of their best work, and, and they've put out some doozies. I don't see this one winning any Pulitzer Prizes, but uh, we want to kind of deconstruct that narrative and talk about, like, on a personal level, all the way up through what you're bringing on the campaign trail, what is it that this uh, that the radical progressive left can't identify with that just resonates with what's going on across the country right now, that the nationalist populist movement is alive and well? There's nothing wrong with being America first, especially when you see leadership collapsing all throughout the world, uh, literally and physically. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, they have to kind of invent narratives to take away from all the great work that you've done since you've uh, started these campaigns. This is exactly why they're losing Democrats, because they are so out of touch with the everyday American and the everyday Dem. Dems are moving at massive amounts from the Democrat Party to the Republican Party. Why here on the border is because the defund the police, the uh, non-American first policies that the Biden administration has put on the tables is not resonating with Hispanic voters. It's not resonating with Americans. And that's why we saw in 2020 with my campaign, finally having Republican dollars invested in South Texas to help educate the Hispanics down here as to where their values truly line. And they align with the Republican Party, which stands for faith, family and freedom. Yes. I think it's just absurd that they would call us extreme because we're conservatives, because we believe in traditional family values, because we love God and we're not afraid to verbalize it. Um, the left media gets scared and the first thing they do is attack by calling people like me, everyday Americans, extreme. But I think that voters are seen through this Democrats are seen through this, and that's why they're walking away. No, you're, you're 100% right. You know, I, I think the progressives kind of overplayed their hand, thinking that they'd be able to keep more 
moderates and independents by, you know, kind of pushing out their radical progressive agenda. Uh, you know, everything from like the, the trans movement to the kids education and, you know, stuff in the workforce, COVID vaccines, how they're kind of deconstructing the military. I don't think they ever would have thought, uh, you know, with this crisis at the border that they would be losing uh, Latino voters in record numbers like we've never seen before. We've already seen, you know, Myra get over the finish line and win that special election. We saw a couple mayors down in, in South Texas uh, win elections where they haven't either held an office in 100 years or ever. And, and now we see great candidates like yourself just rising to the top and, and really carning you know, bringing Texas back to the forefront of what makes that state great. And, and part of what it is, is, is having strong borders, having a strong economy, having all the freedoms that they usually have that have been, you know, taken away the last couple of years by the Biden administration. And uh, like you said, I think hit pieces like that aren't really going to connect. I think it's going to pull more people away because when they see what you're actually bringing to the table, it just kind of says the opposite. Well, and when you have um, Hispanic candidates, now a congresswoman who's the first Mexican-American congresswoman for the Republican Party to represent the state of Texas, and you have someone like me who's a second, third generation, like Cassie, who will be the first female Hispanic Republicans to represent the great state of Texas. Yep. What a pivotal time in Republican, not only Republican history, but American politics, where we truly see American politics in the Republican Party culturally changing. When you have three women of varied Hispanic backgrounds representing the state of Texas, people relate to us. They understand us, some coming like Myra from Mexico, yeah. myself from a single mom just struggling to make ends meet, to Cassie, a conservative family that is wanting her daughter to be successful. I mean, you have three wonderful stories in us candidates that resonate with South Texas. And I think at the end of the day, we truly represent what Texas is about and what Hispanics stand for. No, you, you totally make a whole bunch of sense. We, you know, we've had just about all the America first candidates come through this show multiple times. And whether you're talking to Carrie Lake or Joe Kent, John Gibbs, or, you know, Herschel Walker, it's the, this new group of people who've been running the last couple of years and heading into this, uh, you know, midterm elections, the, the absolute diversity of them to be on the same page with the America first movement, but bring so many different backgrounds with them. Uh, it, it's just incredible to see the the older white guy business suit wearing Republican is, is not really the cut of the America First movement anymore. And I think it's all those different things we bring to the table, bringing God back to the forefront, bringing small business back to the forefront, bringing backing the blue back to the forefront, and, and, and you know, having strong national defense back to the forefront and being, you know, uh, energy independent again, back to the forefront. Those are the things that the American people now, after 17 and a half months, be like, wow, it really was a whole lot better uh, under the previous administration. And we'd like to see a little bit more of that come 2024. And it all starts this November. And you know what uh, myself as a candidate brings to the table in this day and age where people are uh, stressed out, they feel hopeless, they feel a real worrisome um, attitude for their children's future when the Democrat Party is pouncing on the American dream and saying that it's dead. When they look to myself, Monica Dela Cruz, they look at me as hope. 
as hope for a better future, hope to bring back the American dream, hope to have their communities safe and secure. Small business look at me as someone who understands the struggle. And when I open my small business, just like other small business owners around uh, this area, we did it with American dream in our thoughts that one day we would bear fruit that would give us and get us the things to number one, give glory to God, but number two, to be able to help our family and give our kids and our family the future that we see. And that's why I hope that your listeners today follow me at monicaforcongress.us and get to see not only our journey towards success and the American dream, but that of Cassie's and Myra's with yep. us, with us. Yeah, we've been tracking you guys from day one, sharing all your stuff across our social medias, and we're going to continue to support your campaigns. They are really the heart and soul of what's going on in the America First movement right now, and uh, we appreciate all the hard work you're doing out there, and we hope you guys continue to absolutely crush it between now and November. Uh, last thing, Monica, I, I do want to – I know you gave out your campaign website, but any social medias that you want to direct our listenership to, and uh, we'll make sure we live link everything in the show description today. Absolutely. People can follow me at Monica for Congress on Instagram and Facebook and Monica, the number four Congress on Twitter. And I appreciate your support having me on today. It's a real honor and your support prayers are certainly welcomed. Yeah, absolutely. We got a lot of listeners in Texas, so you could expect to see some uh, followers up, some campaign donations up, and hopefully some door knockers for y'all as well heading you know, into the summer when you guys need that uh, ground game to just get out there and uh, do all the work that it's going to take to win in November. We would love to have you back on the show sometime between now and the general election. And uh, like I said, we'll be live linking everything in the show description today. Um, thank you very much for your time, ma'am. And uh, we'll be talking with you soon. Thank you. Have a great day. America First Candidate. Nominee, Republican Party, Texas 15, Monica De La Cruz. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. All right, joining us next on the show today, he is the America First candidate for the governor in the great state of Pennsylvania. He's back on the show and joining us again. Senator Doug Mastriano, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me back on, guys. A lot has transpired since the last time I was on. Of course, we had an overwhelming victory in, in the primary, nine people in the race. Uh, we won with almost half the vote. They said I could get 20% of it, and the, the people showed up in huge numbers. Uh, won uh, 55 of 67 counties, just, just knocked it out of the park. Now we're in phase two, of course, the, the general election. Uh, several of the Republicans running, sadly, violated Reagan's 11th commandment, thou shalt not speak ill of other Republicans. Mm. And so I, they, they came after me with about $6 million to hit pieces. I was outspent 16 to one. And we still whipped them bad. The, the next guy behind me was 20 some, 22 points behind me. He wasn't even close. Uh, so came out of a primary. My Democrat uh, opponent, no primary, you know, was sitting on a giant gold mine of, of donations of money, a lot of dark money there. And uh, despite that and taking a beating in a primary, I'm only two points behind that guy. He's going to lose bad. No, you're, you're 100% correct. Now, g g catching up our listenership, you were – uh, well, we were one of your first interviews shortly after you announced. Some of your campaign staffers at the time were so surprised that we requested you that early, and then you jumped on the show with us. You kind of laid out your campaign platform. Several months later, like you said, overwhelming victory. Uh, you had nine other people in the primary with you, and uh, the margin of victory that you had 
what do you think the message that you're bringing right now to the table heading into the general election really connected, like you said, 55 out of 57 uh, counties in Pennsylvania is really resonating with these voters. This country is hurting right now. The economy, the gas prices, the southern border, uh, national defense, you name it, kids' education. We've got red flags all over the place. And, and it seemed like your message really connected with the voters out there, and they came out in record numbers to uh, support you in the primary. I, the first thing was the talk is cheap. You know, I, I've been out there for uh, many years fighting yep. to reopen the state, fighting for medical freedom fighting for businesses, fighting for schools to get the masks off the kids' face, you know, fighting against uh, mandated vaccines, losing your job in Pennsylvania. It was one of the worst situations in the nation. Five Democrat governors nationwide that unleashed the plague in the homes, leaving the elderly to die alone. Our, our famous Secretary of Health, Ben Levine, that made that decision, science denying, uh, and then uh, found out it was a bad idea and smuggled uh, Levine's own mom out of the home. Yep. So first off, we had street cred. We've been there fighting for voting integrity. The, the media has been coming after me you know, with a passion for the past three years. Uh, they actually marked me for political destruction uh, last year and the focus of forces of darkness against us. And it, they did a poll last November, the Democrats, Democrat Legislative Campaign Committee, not Pennsylvania-based, D.C. This is nationwide. They, they, they said... Uh, 21 Republicans at the state level they wanted to knock out. They made me number one on their, on their list. And uh, they did a poll after blasting me in the media, you know, crapping all over me. And they're like, whoa, his negatives are single digits and we made him more popular. You know, because we saw what happened with Trump. Now, as far as my message, my message is, is very clear. Returning power to the people, getting back to our basic freedoms here, you know, standing for your individual freedoms. So you have a business, you run that business, you run your family as you see fit and not as a governor. So it's all about freedom. You know, our motto is John 836. If Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. Freedom, yeah, the yeah. very thing that founded our nation here in Pennsylvania in 1776, freedom. And uh, we've watched that being, uh, you know, ripped away. The choice between uh, myself and, of course, the Democrat is, is stark. We have a career politician, you know, a wealthy kid, grew up with a silver foot in his mouth, uh, you know, wanted it for nothing, and didn't have to work for a living. Uh, he's all about uh, big government. He's like a mini version of Tom Wolf. You know, our, our current governor is Tom Wolf. Right. And I, as I like to say, never was a governor more appropriately named. He's, <laughs> he backed the governor. He's our attorney general. He backed the governor's shutdowns. He sued to keep your, the, our kids in mass. He sued to keep businesses shut down. And so he's a personification of no freedom. And definitely something that, uh, you know, embodies the current administration in the Beltway, the Biden administration. You know, he, he's yes. right on board. You can't get pretty much more D.C. establishment than, than Josh Shapiro right now. And, and it's one of those things. We, we know Pennsylvania is a huge bellwether. It's a battleground state. I think your primary election tells a lot to where this is going in the fall. But there's a huge fight ahead against you. You know, you're going to have that establishment media all trying to turn against you, all the smear yep. campaigns. I'm sure we're already seeing things with, like, obviously you're dialed into all the candidates, the stuff that's happened with with Herschel Walker recently, Carrie Lake, and uh, they're just going after him. Um, I, I think one of the things that, you know, is working in your favor in Pennsylvania, you do bring a lot of that uh, America First values in, into the pillars of your campaign, but at the same time, you also bring a lot of other things. You, you are a huge backer of law enforcement. You're a veteran. You bring, like, those dad vibes to the thing, which is probably resonating with a whole bunch of, like, traditional Democrats and independent voters, which at the end of the day is probably going to be one of the big pendulums that swings this election. The independents are huge. So right now the Democrats have about a half a million advantage in registration statewide, but we have a massive body of uh, independents. Uh, behind the scenes here, of course, uh, we've seen thousands of Democrats re-register as Republican. And so uh, in this regard here, you know, it's just 
state safety, security. People want to be able to live their lives as they see fit, not as a, you know, a governor or, or someone else sees fit. Right. You know, as, as far as the media, I mean, we, many of these people in the mainstream media, they, they can't do an honest piece. They're so blinded by, by uh, this, this bias, this cognitive bias, obviously. They, can't, they don't realize it. You know, I had one of them from the traditional media grab me last night. We were here till uh, about midnight last night working on the state budget. And he's like, you know, I, I can't believe you're running for governor and you won't talk to me. And I'm like, when I'm convinced that you could write a fair, balanced piece without a, your bias, you know, squished all over it, I'll see you in a, in a heartbeat. And then he went on to say, I, you know, you know, show me when I, you know, I, I didn't have to show him anything. I just said, you know, just so you know, you know, some of your own colleagues have apologized to me for your, you know, hyperbolic writing. And that yeah. he just, after that, he was unhinged. You know, so, so self-righteous. But we don't need them. Uh, it, it, give them a chance. Uh, if they burn that bridge, don't use them. Uh, they they resent the fact that I go to other media outlets, uh, not just conservative, but that we have a vast network like, like this. I, I go directly to people on my lives and what have you. So it, why put yourself in a position where you're just giving a, a box of ammo to somebody who's going to use it to shoot you down? I mean, it's a two-way street. Um, you know, they want to interview me for clicks and what have you. And if they're going to burn that bridge, just, just go directly to people. I mean, it, Republicans... To go on stage, for instance, we saw this happen with Donald Trump in 2016. Go on stage, you know, with CNN moderating a debate. Yep. You're not just debating Hillary Clinton. You're debating CNN. So let's not put ourselves in that position anymore. Where we're, you know, we're debating two people, but don't have the time to do so. Oh no, you make a whole lot of sense. I mean, we saw it just as recently last night. We've talked about it uh, a little bit in, in our opening on the show. You know, Carrie Lake was on uh, Fox News. We don't need to name names of the shows, but a couple weeks ago, and you know, they tried to keep it a, a campaign related for about five minutes, and then they started digging into like just kind of smearing her. So what happens two weeks later? They bring on like someone who's I think third in the polls in the Arizona governor's race, and all of a sudden, the only time Carrie Lake's name come up is when the host mentions her as a former Obama door knocker. So that's someone who's who's probably be leading by double digits in Arizona and, and that's what Fox News wants to do with it so it's one of those things you make a whole lot of sense and uh, you know we appreciate the fact that you do those Facebook lives and get your message directly out to the people unfiltered and then you can come on shows like us which you know are our America First shows we are, are ones that back Trump era policies those are a lot of the ones that you're running on which is the, the last question that I want to talk to you on, probably the most important one, headed into the general election season right now. What are some of the things that maybe you're working on in the Senate and then after the governor's race and you become the governor of Pennsylvania that you're looking pretty much like your day one legislation to kind of get out there to get that state back rolling? So uh, energy uh, is not is, uh, huge in Pennsylvania. Uh, we're one of the greatest energy producers in the nation. We're number three, actually, uh, behind uh, Texas and Alaska, I believe. Uh, we're sitting on a gold mine. God has blessed natural resources in Pennsylvania like you can't believe. Mm -hmm. Oil and natural gas and coal. Uh, but sadly, eight years of Democrat policies, enabled by my opponent Shapiro, Josh, um, has really hurt our energy sector. In the midst of this inflation and skyrocketing energy prices here, it's, it's hard to make ends meet in so many areas. So on day one, I'm going to get us out of the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which is like a mini version of the Paris Climate Accords. Now, where Pennsylvanians will be paying, Pennsylvanians, people like me, will be paying, you know, $2 billion every two years in a green tax. Day one, we are out of that. Day one, CRT is no longer taught in the schools. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, I got a whole list of day one here. I, you know, I'm, I'm watching DeSantis. I'm watching Yonkin. And I'll tell you what, when I'm governor, we're going to make those guys, we love them, but we're going to make them look like amateurs because all the potential we have in Pennsylvania is to restore the, the light of liberty because it all began here in 1776. Our yep. nation was born here. 
We celebrated the anniversary uh, just the other day, 246 uh, years ago on, on the 4th of July. Nice. And uh, the potential God's given us. So obviously I'm talking about security, um, you know, police forcing, uh, natural uh, opening up our energy sector, rolling back taxes, and just putting power back in people's hands. It's, it's basic values. It's really not that hard. Uh, I, do, I sadly believe, my friends, that uh, when I am sworn in on January 17th, uh, that will probably be in a recession. I hope I'm wrong, but it's not going to be easy taking over the, the reins of, of government as governor of Pennsylvania in the midst of recession. But we have so much potential with the energy underneath our feet. And if you think about that, we roll back eight years of regulations. We make it easier. We open up straight uh, state lands, make it easier to file permits, make sure permits are, are, are timely, re return like 30 to 45 days. And then not only can we shore up Pennsylvania, but New England, United States, but mm -hmm. we can also help our allies get off of Russian oil and gas. And that's a win-win for everybody. No, you, you know what? It'd be a whole lot better for Pennsylvania to get our allies off of Russian gas instead of Joe Biden sending 2.5 million barrels of gas since the end of April to India and China like we've seen come out in the last few days. Yeah, and, you know, so I, I, in the Army, obviously, I travel the world, and one of my areas was uh, the Baltic countries, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. I helped to come up with a, a strategic approach on defending them from Russian aggression. And, uh, you know, in that vein, I was speaking with the uh, former Minister of Defense of Lithuania, Raza Jukovinitsa, and uh, she's still there as a member of par Parliament. She's no longer the Secretary of Defense because uh, their party is out of power. But uh, Pennsylvania has been a partner uh, state with, with Lithuania for 20-some years. Yeah. Uh, our National Guard trains with them. Their ground forces train with us. And she looked over at me and said, Doug, and this is 2016. Because we're going to build an LNG terminal, liquefied natural gas terminal, with a ship that can hold two years' worth of LNG for all the Baltic nations. We want to buy it off of Pennsylvania. We know it costs a little bit more than getting it from Norway, but you know, you're, you're our close friend, you're a close ally. And she meant it. And they built that ship, it's true to her word, it's off of Clapida, and they named the ship, so it's beautiful, so Pennsylvania. They call the ship Independence. I nice. love it. <laughs> yeah, you know, Senator, it's great to see you, you know, in the position you're at right now, this nation, you know, you're talking about geopolitics right now. There's a lot of leadership vacuum throughout the world. We've seen Boris Johnson step down. We saw, you know, uh, former President Abe uh, assassinated yesterday. We see Macron's government falling apart. Uh, you know, there's obviously a power vacuum in Germany right now. We're having problems in uh, Holland and Italy. And, you know, a lot of our Israel as well and a lot of our strategic partners due to the leadership vacuum in Washington, D.C., uh, are falling apart across the world. It's going to take a bunch of America first governors and senators after the midterm election to get this country rolling in the right direction again. So heading into the 2024 general election for the president of the United States, we'll be in a lot better position than we are now. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really, really, really do appreciate you putting that, putting that tie into international affairs, because what happens in America politically at both the national and state level, I believe, affects other countries. You know, I watched what happened during the COVID shutdown with uh, Australia and New Zealand. Freedom-loving people, tough people, and uh, losing their freedoms and you know, be, even being dropped off in, you know, health camps, you know, to, to recover from COVID and, and, you know, losing jobs and being oppressed. I believe that that's just a sign of, of the waning of individual freedom in America. And we saw similar shutdowns and, and overreach by, you know, California, New York, uh, Jersey, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Yep. And uh, I, I believe it's a manifestation. So my, uh, my firm belief, I have a Ph.D. in history, uh, nice. that I believe that Pennsylvania is the natural leader of this nation. We are called the Keystone State. We didn't call ourselves that. We were designated the Keystone State of America. And I believe if we get it right in Pennsylvania here uh, on November 8th, 
that that will change the trajectory of our nation as a whole. I mean, the Liberty Bell is here, and of course, the Bible verse on here is from Leviticus. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to the, all the inhabitants thereof. I believe if Pennsylvania becomes once again and will become a beacon of light and freedom under Governor Mastriano on January 17th, there we'll see a switch uh, in the atmosphere and how people uh, feel, and people will be drawn to Pennsylvania to come and live and prosper because of the freedom we introduce. Yeah, you know, I, I love hearing that. I grew up in uh, in New Jersey, but all of the field trips we used to take in regards to like the museums <laughs> and the historical places, we would always go to Philadelphia. And it's my dream. You know, we live in Southern California now. Don't forget about our tyrannical communist governor out here. Yes. He's probably going to be a presidential nominee in 2024, which would be perfect. But, uh, you know, I would love to take my kids to historical Philadelphia and have them see all those awesome things I remember growing up as a kid. Senator, this has been awesome getting to catch up with you. We know you're super busy. We're not going to keep you too long, but the last thing I want to uh, allow you to do is have our listenership as many as possible get directly involved with your campaign website social media whatever you want and we'll live link them in the show description today thank you so go to dougforgov.com dougforgov.com and uh, sign up whether you're in California or Pennsylvania you can donate to our campaign Uh, this election has national consequences and so we can sure use your help thank you it sure does this is the America first governor Republican candidate who's uh, the nominee looking to uh, flip Pennsylvania in the midterm elections. Senator Doug Mastriano, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, guys. God bless. Take care. So Hunter Biden's back in the news lately. Oh, what's he up to? And I'm not talking about the leaked audio video from uh, his most recent stint in rehab. Uh, How how long ago was that audio from? uh, June. Oh, so he was... Well, Wait. Go, go ahead. Continue. Yeah. So the one where he's sitting in the in the in the waiting pool, smoking crack and and drinking uh, white claws. They let you do that at rehab? Apparently so. Detoxing, right? <laughs> Fifty thousand dollars a month, probably taxpayer dollars. Oh, guaranteed wow. to be so, so so June, June last month, smoking crack in a pool, mm-hmm. drinking white claw. Mm-hmm. Wait and a minute. Wait that that's from. Now, this June? That's not from the laptop? No, it's not from the laptop. It's from wow. a detox he was in, in in early June. No, it's working. Consequently, he was uh, he was tapped to uh, be the official welcomer um, on Monday. Well, he had a lot of energy. He was probably very... Well, they were, they were passing out presidential medals of freedom, and Hunter Biden was in the White House and was greeting everyone that came in. <laughs> what? How so, embarrassing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Was he handing out, like, little... Crack pipe gift bags. What do you think they do with the, <laughs> the like the the bomb sniffing dogs that could probably detect drugs too? And he comes to the White House. Well, I don't do think they, they just kennel them. I think they like any of these ones that have been trained for drugs. We're just going to leave them at home. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I'm pretty sure those are an entirely different, separate animal. Like they don't train the bomb sniffing dogs to, for drugs because that would be super distracting. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't know. There might be a pothead or a bomb. I'm not really sure. Or maybe Hunter's <laughs> here. I don't know. It might just be Hunter. And unfortunately. <laughs> I wish making fun of him for being a complete fucking loser and junkie was what we were here for. I mean, it's sad. It's a bummer, but like... He wasn't everything else. No, but just... I've said this before. Imagine. Just imagine that any of Trump's kids were even a nth percent... I know, right? ...of a piece of shit. Yeah. Just imagine, like... Believe me, if you would have saw one of Trump's kids, like, behind a nightclub smoking a cigarette... They probably would have turned it into a big fucking oh, another, another about, impeachment. Like Junior, like doing coke, and is that even like confirmed with proof? 
compared to like what Hunter has done. I mean, who cares? Yeah, I don't like I could care less. Okay, he's done coke back in the day or whenever. Right. But come on. (laughs) That's it. Well, Hunter Biden was in the news for real stories, not ones that are related to his uh, fraudulent way he applied for a handgun that he threw into a, a dumpster. I'm pretty sure that's not okay uh, in California's, uh, you know, the rules for locking up your firearm. Right, or for his detox videos. But uh, recently, some new audio has surfaced talking about uh, phone calls mm. that Joe Biden left for Hunter Biden on one of his devices back in 2018 in regard to his China dealings. Uh, we haven't heard from her in a couple of weeks because, you know, they're always on fucking vacation in the White House. It's it's Friday and Joe Biden's already gone uh, for the afternoon. He's heading over to the beach. Oh, why wouldn't he? Uh, but Green Jean Pierre was asked about some of this new newly surfaced audio. And, uh, well, I can only imagine how you guys think she's going to answer it. Voicemail of the president talking to his son about his overseas business dealings. If the president has said he's never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings. Well, first I'll say that uh, what the president said stands. Mm. So if he, if that's what the president said, that, he, that is what stands. And second, secondly, New York Times article but secondly, concerning secondly, business dealings. And here, he says, I think you're clear. How is that not him talking to his son about his overseas business dealings? We're not from this podium. I am not going to talk about alleged materials from the laptop. Oh, I will. I'm not. Voice on the voicemail? I'm not going to talk about alleged uh, materials on the laptop. Are it's you not happening. Then that it is not. Peter, I refer you to uh, to his son's. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that's what she wants. You know, and we laugh about it because that's the way she just blows people off. But it was funny because uh, Philip Wegman, actually, when he was able to ask a question. Asked her, hey, listen, everybody just saw you blow off Peter, but I'm going to follow up on that anyways. Ah, I missed that one. Let's see if that got uh, any better. Oh, uh, we have all heard it. The president likes to say, uh, I will always level with you. He says it again and again. Um, moments ago, though, you seem to dismiss Peter's question about his conversation with his son, Hunter Biden. Nice. Uh, with regards to his business dealings. And I'm wondering, how is that silence consistent with the president's promise to always level with the American public? Because, That's nice. You know, in, in public, he says he, he hasn't discussed these business dealings. And then at least according to the, the voicemail that's been obtained by the Daily Mail and the Washington Examiner, it certainly seems like he was seeking to do exactly that, have a conversation about these business dealings. Mm-hmm. Is he leveling with the, the American public on this? Phil, I hear your question. From this but podium? what I can tell you from here, standing at this podium, is that I, I cannot comment else. on Sounds any like materials from the, the laptop. And I would refer you to the representatives of, uh, of Hunter Biden. That's what I can share with you at this podium. Oh, she's not going to mention that he's not a government employee and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. I mean, it, and who are he, his representatives? I mean, if he's an official greeter at the White House, isn't he a government employee now? <laughs> She ain't going to last long. No. I can already tell. They better have somebody in the mix after the midterm. She ain't going to make it. She's like she's like uh, when Donald Trump would like say some shit like, all right, the wall just got 10 feet higher. She's like, well, now you got to pay me fucking yep. 10 more million dollars <laughs> dealing with this bullshit. Yeah. You, you know, there was some other news coming out of the Biden White House that's not good news, but kind of related to this. Uh, it's the mass exodus that's going on from there. And I, I've crunched some numbers. You know, we're, we're numbers guys and gals on this show. And uh, I, w- I want to do a little bit of a, you know, comparative analysis. So, you know, later in the show, we're going to get into a high-level Biden staffer who's been, you know, working for Joe since uh, the Obama administration has announced that at the end of the month, which is July, she'll be leaving. Uh, no reason giving. 
Um, the, the Biden White House was very secretive about this because this is one of his oldest and supposed most trusted staffers who literally they give like a majority of the credit for getting him over the finish line uh, for the presidency, uh, getting mm-hmm. that message out there, which was, you know, anti-Trump demonizing him. Um, since the start of the Biden administration and to this point, comparatively reflective against the Trump administration in the same time. So she will be the 86th staffer gone since the start of the Biden administration Damn. Um, out of a staff of about 525 people. That's a decent amount. <laughs> sure. Compared to the Trump administration who, uh, you know, in its largest was I think 474 staffers at this point in his presidency, he had lost five. Wow. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. And uh, when you talk about some of the bigs, it was probably like two press secretaries, Rex Tillerson, Steve Bannon, and one that I can't remember off the top of my head, maybe Hope Hicks. So you're, you're talking about them. And then in this administration, he's lost they, nearly 90. They, them? Uh, she, Zim. <laughs> Zizer. Yeah, exactly. He, huh? I wish this was the only Hunter Biden uh, news that we were bringing you today. Unfortunately, it's not. Fantastic. Jesse Waters broke on his show yesterday now, and it's starting to come up as a major issue, possibly adding maybe a second article of impeachment now for Joe Biden in addition to Afghanistan after the midterm elections. So we all know that Joe Biden has tapped the strategic oil reserves in an attempt to bring down, drive down the prices of of gasoline by distributing it supposedly into the United States. Yeah, I think he missed. Like maybe something went wrong with the invoice that that was supposed to go out to. Apparently the pipeline leads directly to Asia because in just the month of June alone, both India and China have received over 2.5 billion barrels of our strategic oil reserve. Wow. Not only that, but the firm that brokered the deal to secure the oil for China, Mm. Hunter Biden has almost $2 billion in stake in. Jesse Waters broke the uh, story yesterday at the top of his show. Let's hear it. Fox News alert. Joe Biden sold nearly a million barrels of oil to a Chinese gas company that his son Hunter may still indirectly own a stake in. This is according to the Washington it's Free Beacon. Mm-mm. The Biden administration announced in April they were selling strategic petroleum reserve barrels to the Chinese state-owned oil company Unipec, also known as Sinopec. But in 2015, Hunter's firm, BHR, hmm. bought a nearly $2 billion stake in Sinopec. In November, Hunter's attorney claims he divested his stakes in his Chinese holdings. But as of March... Chinese records still listed him as a 10% owner in the firm, BHR Partners, hmm. which a Georgetown professor valued to be worth a cool $20 million. <laughs> wow. The sale happened in April. As of this moment, we can't say for sure that Hunter has an ownership stake in this company, nor can we say that he directly profited from the sale. But what's indisputable is this. Hunter Biden is not a Chinese economist. He's not a Chinese energy expert. The only reason might why the Chinese Yami. would cut him in to their company checkers. Mm. is so that he can peddle influence back in Washington with his dad and get them really great deals. And you know what? It looks like he did his job. You know, a lot of people are talking. 
I think everything Hunter Biden does is indirect nowadays, but well, let's here's, just say. Here's the thing. A lot of people, more people than not, especially since these these high-level staffers are abandoning the administration in record numbers, they're really saying that Hunter Biden and his shadow group of financiers and brokers and just shady fucking slime balls that he worked with are directing a lot of the narrative that's coming out of the Oval Office since the start of this administration. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, smartest man he knows. Man loves his crack. I mean, I mean, he, he might be the smartest man he knows. I've never <laughs> seen a junkie make so much money in my life. Uh. And, uh, you know, at some point, w- we are really hoping for some uh, investigations into this because this administration, well, it's been out of control. But when you, you start hearing things like this, like Joe Biden blatantly lied, not only on the campaign trail, but since he's been president several times in regardings to his son's business dealings in China. And now you see this proxy sale that went down in April, was physically shipped in, in the end of May and June. And, uh, you know, depleting our strategic oil reserves now, which is getting close to 50% for, for crude. And then they've already started to tap the diesel one as, as well. It's not coming here. You know, we saw the India narrative as well. And, and we know it's because India is really pressuring the United States to up its immigrant, not immigrant, worker visas to come into the United States right now. And uh, you've got Republican senators pushing for that stuff. So we think Joe Biden may be just like smoothing them over a little bit with, with oil because the optics of that would look pretty ugly just to start letting a whole bunch of uh, HB2s in here to come in and uh, work in all these jobs where the only thing they do is overstay their visas, find a girlfriend, impregnate them, and then be, you know, find, find a loophole to citizenship. So we're seeing some really dirty stuff more than just usual, uh, you know, in regards to what's going on with the administration yesterday. What do you think the uh, fact checkers are doing about Hunter Biden uh, smoking crack in the pool? Hunter Biden did not smoke crack in the pool. Video of Hunter Biden smoking crack in a pool is false. It was vapor. It was vapor from the hot tub. It was. What about drinking white claws? Well, the white claws is true. Obviously, who doesn't love a white claw? In detox. <laughs> insane, really. Yeah, I, I really just can't believe that this is this is what we've got going on right now, and uh, you know. The funniest thing yesterday was that, I don't know if you guys saw this, and this is what we're going to end the segment on, Adam Schiff filed an amendment yesterday to the NDAA that would conceal any info collected by the U.S. military for use in congressional investigations moving forward or court proceedings. The massive attempted cover-up of erroneous proportions and preemptive power to grab and in turn prevent GOP oversight from the House when it flips next year. Wow. Yeah, so Adam Schiff is basically saying, well, I'll do you one better, Noah. You can not do investigative committees into the Hunter Biden laptop, into the origins of COVID, into if the January 6th committee was legitimate. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are running on the Republican side in House races across the country right now. Anthony Sabatini was at the forefront of this this morning saying this is going to be the first fucking thing we repeal on day one. Even though there's so much bullshit going on, that will be the first thing. Um, but, but of course, Adam Schiff is trying to cover up and make it impossible to investigate all the lies that he spewed since the start of the Trump administration back in 2016. So, yeah, that, that's kind of, uh, you know, Joe Biden's White House, dirtbag kids, and all the ones that have been running around trumpeting his narrative for the last 17 months. It's starting to heat up again, and it looks like, uh, you know, they want to keep pushing pronouns. And uh, I believe it's called unitraining barracks now in the military. You have to deal with it. If you're there for training and there's someone who's transitioning either way and they want to take a shower in your shower. No meat gazing. Stop. It's in there. Yeah, they're pushing that legislation at the DOD as well. So that's kind of where we're at right now with the uh, 
current situation at the Biden White House. And uh, we'll, we'll be surely keeping you up to date on that as uh, developments continue to, well, develop. All right, joining us on the show today, he is the uh, CEO of X Strategies, LLC. He's been on with us before, and uh, we love his commentary, seeing it nightly on a lot of the uh, cable news networks, regularly featured on Tucker Carlson. We've been begging him to come back, and he was so gracious to say yes. Alex Brusowicz, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Happy to be here. How you guys doing? Sir, we're doing great. How's everything going with you? It's going as well as it can be in <laughs> Biden's America, right? Yeah. Listen, this news cycle that's been out of control since Donald Trump came down the escalator has uh, surely accelerated since uh, January 20th of, you know, last year. And it, it, it's just been pretty crazy. I got a bunch of stuff I definitely want to talk to you about. Uh, we know you do a lot of consulting and, and political analysis on, on a lot of stuff that's going on in the conservative America first movement. We're in like the uh, last third, back third of the midterm election cycle for the primaries. And, uh, you know, we got a couple more huge dates coming up. Based on what the field's starting to shape like, you know, President Trump's racked up a pretty decent record, but we've also seen some, some pretty good candidates not make it as well. How are you seeing things starting to shape up? Well, from an America First standpoint, we're really excited about this class of, uh, you know, Republican nominees who have gotten through the primary so far. As you've mentioned, there's a couple big dates coming up. You have statewide elections in Arizona. Uh, in, in just a couple of weeks, uh, you have Missouri coming up. You have a lot of these states that uh, are really pro-Trump states that he won big time in, where you're going to see a lot of the firebrands get through the primaries. And so uh, the establishment is trying to spend a fortune to try to stop some of these candidates, uh, but they're not going to have success. If you saw what just happened in Illinois, yeah. there's who, a guy who I call the Rhino George Soros, his name's Ken Griffin. He put $50 million behind a candidate in, in Illinois, and President Trump's endorsement behind uh, Darren Bailey was more impactful than $50 million bucks. So uh, the Republican Party is still the party of Donald J. Trump and the America First movement. And so I'm going to be, uh, I'm really excited to see the results of the 9th of November. Yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. You know, we've seen the attacks really ramp up, and I think as Donald Trump continues to add wins to the scorecard, uh, they're going to get a, real, a lot worse heading into the end of the primaries and then the general election. Uh, just for a couple examples, we've seen obviously some big personal attacks come against Herschel Walker in Georgia because they know of his huge popularity. A lot of the polls that are coming out of there don't make sense either. And then, you you, you know, you've seen as recently as last night, there was, there was a hit piece on Carrie Lake where – someone who she's comfortably leading in the polls appeared on a, on a cable news network and they described Carrie Lake as a former Obama door knocker. And, and that was pretty much it. It, it, it was really embarrassing to see. And uh, we can only expect more of the same, but, but you could definitely tell that the establishment has a fear that not some of these, maybe just America first, but like the ultra America first candidates are really picking up steam and resonating with the people having gone through this administration for the last 17 and a half months. And uh, they've had it. So we're hoping to see, like you said, those uh, results reflected at the uh, ballot box through the primaries and then in November. Yeah, absolutely. And to speak on the Herschel Walker situation, uh, I think they're just completely, uh, you know, baseless attacks on him. He's a good man. Uh, he was, he was obviously a great football player, but, uh, he's a great Christian man, and so I think they're just incredibly disgusting attacks with the trying to pull on him. Quite frankly, I think they're a little racist, but yeah, uh, what do I know? Uh, and, and this is just trying to deflect from the real wacko in that race. His name is Raphael Warnock. Yep. Uh, this guy's got a rap sheet like no other. When he was a pastor at a youth camp, 
there was cases of sexual misconduct and, and some kids who were getting urinated on at the camp. And uh, guess what? He brushed it under the rug and then nothing ever happened to him. And then this psychopath, Warnock, he also ran over his wife's foot yep. during a dispute with his car. Hmm. And people act like that never happened. And then they put him on you know, cable news networks at night and they say he's such a great man. Look at this guy. But he's a, he's a total psycho. And it was just reported recently that he uh, is, has allegedly used campaign funds illegally to pay for a personal lawsuit. And so it just goes on and on and on. And so they're just looking for anything they can do to, uh, you know, deflect and, and counter uh, uh, that news cycle. And then with Kerry Lake, you know, it's important to remember, remember that Donald J. Trump brought over 12 million two-time Obama voters in 2016. Why did that happen? Well, it happened because uh, the Republican establishment was no longer running the Republican Party, yep. one. And two, the Obama promised a lot of things that a lot of people fell for the promise. He just didn't deliver. And then, and then they recognized that President Trump was a man of his word and he was going to do what he said he was going to do and he wanted to make America great again. And so I don't know what Kerry Lake's past is, but Kerry Lake isn't alone. 12 million two-time Obama voters jumped over to the mega movement because the mega movement actually cared about our country. And so uh, Karen Hobbs or whatever, whatever her name is, I don't even know her name. That's how uh, irrelevant she is. Um, you know, she's she's going to have a tough time in that election because Carrie Lake really speaks to the mega movement. She really speaks to the people of Arizona. They're sick of the crime pouring in. They're sick of the drugs pouring in. They're sick of, uh, you know, having nobody standing up to the Biden regime. And they know that if they vote for another establishment swamp creature, uh, it's just going to be more of the same. And so Carrie Lake is an outsider. She speaks to the people. The people love her. And she's going to overwhelmingly win uh, on August 18th or August 2nd, rather. Yeah, we think so, too. You know, that that whole top of the ticket, you obviously have Blake Masters, who's, uh, you know, starting to pull away in the polls. The most recent ones that have come out, who's endorsed by President Trump and then Mark Fincham and Abe Hamaday. That's that's quite a formidable uh, group of of America first candidates there. And if all four of them are able to get through and and into the, uh, you know, running the state of Arizona again, I don't think we'll ever have to worry about that state being purple for the uh, at least near future and in future elections, because uh, they're all ready to kind of tear it down and uh, build it back up the right way. Um, I want to kind of switch gears. I know you're a huge non-enjoyer of the January 6th committee and the ridiculous production that it's been since day one. Uh, You know, we did see that uh, it was the supposed to be bombshell of all bombshells last week. Adam Schiff led into the week on the on the Sunday talk shows two weeks ago saying that he has all the information that will eventually lead to Donald Trump indictments. But he can't say it yet because he doesn't want to get ahead of the committee. Let me guess. There was nothing. Well, there was Miss Hutchinson who uh, came out and gave third-party testimony, which was so awful and, and debunked almost immediately that Jay Johnson, former Obama head of, of you know DHS, came out and said, "Like you guys really shouldn't have done that. That looks awful." Um, where this is at right now, I think the only thing it's done, maybe for the people who casually follow politics, it's kept in the news cycle. But besides that, it's it's not picked up any steam, and it doesn't look like there's going to be anything that's going to be able to stick by it. What do you think? Yeah, well, I know that the psychopaths who run this committee uh, monitor everything that I say, and so I'm not going to mince words. Uh, they can F off. Uh, they're a bunch of disgraceful fools who hate our country, and they lie, and they lie, and they lie. Adam Schiff has been saying that they're going to indict Donald Trump and throw him in prison for years and years. And so you, they're losing the left. They're, they're making these bold proclamations for so many years, and then you have radical leftists with large Twitter followings like Don Winslow, who are finally calling them out on their BS. 
There's a guy named Don Winslow, if you don't know who he is. He's just a random psycho on Twitter who yep. hates Donald Trump. Well, he's got like a million followers. And he said, well, they said they were going to get him on Russia. They said that they were going to get him on the second impeachment. They said they're all this stuff. And it always falls short. Why? Well, because there's nothing there. And so they just lie. And, and Cassidy Hutchinson, not only was it hearsay, but she also perjured herself. Yeah. She, she lied under oath deliberately. And so when we get back power and Jim Jordan takes over the House Judiciary Committee, we need to re-subpoena her. And we need to figure out where she got those talking points from. Because after hearing her speak and after knowing people uh, who know her very well and what they have to say about her, she doesn't have a very high IQ. No. And so she was clearly spoon-fed this information to spew. And so, you know, it's sad that the January 6th commission had to stoop that low and put Cassidy Hutchinson in such a terrible spot because who knows what her future is going to look like. It could be in prison. It could be wherever. But, you know, she has no future in politics after that, after that uh, performance. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and it's one of those things, the, the boomerang on that January 6th committee is probably going to be a mighty one for as much as, you know, the Republican Party probably just wants to let it go and be where it be, let the legal process play, play out, and then when they get back in power, get to the bottom of, you know, what's being done with these political prisoners, why they're being held and not charged with so you know, anything for so long. But besides that, they probably want to get like the entire narrative, like in the rearview mirror and start worrying about all the stuff that's going on in the country. But at the same time, they're doing such a ridiculous job of just lying like they did in the, in the Russiagate scandal. Uh, you know, you, you're going to have to come back and do some oversight. Um, but you did mention indictments in jail. Someone who probably deserves them and, and should be heading there. It's back in the headlines again lately was um, Medal of Honor greeter, the first son, Hunter Biden. Uh, it was brought up, you know, again, there was some transcripts that have been leaked recently regarding 2018 phone calls between him and Joe Biden that, that kind of link back to those whole China dealings. And then this week we find out that a company that Hunter Biden was probably on the board of or involved with at, at some high level, Joe Biden sent some of the strategic oil reserves uh, over to China. That sounds strategic. Extremely strategic. And, uh it's just amazing that there's been nothing that's happened to this guy, and, and the administration just continues to deflect as, you know, he's not a member of the federal government, so we don't answer questions for him, and, and then it just goes on. You know, last week there was leaked audio of him in rehab smoking crack and, and drinking alcohol again, and uh, it, it just goes on and on with that winner. Yeah. Well, there's only one word for what Joe Biden and Hunter are doing right now. It's called treason. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they are depleting our strategic oil reserves, and, uh, you know, he said – he said that they are releasing them, okay? But they're not releasing them. They're selling them on the world market. They're selling them to, uh, you know, personally convenient locations. Hunter Biden's directly financially benefiting from these sales, uh, over a million barrels in the month of April, to a oil and gas company in China that Hunter Biden owns nearly $2 billion stake in. Like, one, how the hell did Hunter Biden get $2 billion yep. to, to, begin, like the, to invest to begin with? The guy's an idiot. But he's also a national security threat. And so when Republicans take back office, there can't be, oh, we're going to take the high road. You can't take the high road when these people are committing treason, selling our country out and deliberately harming the American people. They need to be held accountable. Hunter Biden needs to be dragged before Congress. He needs to be forced to turn over every single thing that he knows. And if, if, if the Democrats are like, oh, this is too far, look what the hell they're doing right now to, to anybody – involved with President Trump. They're, they're taking their phone records, they're taking their bank accounts, they're illegally subpoenaing these, these, these things. 
and uh, they have no they have no care in the world. And so Republicans need to use the same exact playbook that they're using on us right now on them because Hunter Biden can't continue to get away with what he's doing. Yeah, it, it, it's so funny, you know. You think they were like, he was just trying to do an insider trade and he hit the wrong button and accidentally sold a bunch of oil? <laughs> the, the strategic reserves. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it, it's so funny. India is is really pushing hard for more uh, of the worker visas and, and China, obviously. We all know the Biden family ties to there, yeah. and that just seems and, like... And then you have uh, the number two Senate Republican, John Toon from uh, South Dakota. More visas. Yeah, he's saying, he's saying, well, we need to import more workers from foreign countries because we have so many jobs to fill. Uh, how about we get the American people to work? How about we get the American people to fill these jobs? And so, like, it's so important that we elect America first Republicans because yep. if if Mitch McConnell and John Toon are in charge of the Senate for the next two years, nothing's going to change. And quite frankly, it might get worse because there's going to be less, you know, you know, it actually might make it harder to win the White House in 2024 if we give the power to these rhinos in the Senate because they're not going to do a, a single thing. And then the voters are going to be like, well, you know, the Republicans have the Senate and Biden has the White House. And, you know, that's why you can't get anything done. And so we need America first leadership in the Senate. And so uh, it's it's so important you guys get out and vote for the right candidates. Sure does. Um, I, I want to switch gears a little bit. We've had a pretty busy news cycle throughout the world in regards to leadership over the last uh, 24 hours or so. We saw yesterday the, the announcement that we all knew was coming because pretty much – his entire, you know, party stepped down from power. But Boris Johnson has decided to resign as prime minister in England. And then obviously yesterday, the huge tragedy with, uh, you know, Shinzo Abe getting assassinated in Japan. Uh, pretty crazy to see, you know, world leaders around. You know, Justin Trudeau is in trouble. Uh, Macron has lost the majority of his power. We're seeing a huge pushback in Italy. Uh, we got a lot of like uprisings going on in all these countries with the agriculture workers across Europe. Uh, just outside looking in, what do you what do you think about the the changing vernacular of like the the world leadership and where it's going right now? It seems like the uh, globalist movement and all the things that you know happened during COVID really did not uh, work to benefit any normal people throughout the world, and they're really you know kind of fed up with it and starting to hold these leaders to task. Yeah, it's um, you know I want to say God bless the Dutch farmers what they're doing right now. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, they're, they're really the leaders that we need right now. But uh, terrible news about Shin, uh, Shinzo Abe out of uh, Japan. Um, you know, he was, a, he, he was a great leader, a great ally to President Trump. Mm -hmm. And he was really a, a vocal critic of, CC, of the CCP and communism. And, uh, you know, he was insulted by the national public radio today. They said that he was a divisive leader. He yep. was an ultra-nationalist, whatever that means. Wow. Uh, it probably meant that, uh, he just did his job, and he did his job really well. Uh, and that's why he was the longest-serving prime minister of Japan. Uh, but look, Boris Johnson's an idiot. I'll never yeah. forget how, how quickly Boris Johnson uh, congratulated Joe Biden after the rigged election. He, and, uh, you know, his, he was very quick to condemn President Trump after uh, the Ray Epps led Fed insurrection on January 6th. Yep. And so uh, I couldn't care less about Boris. He's a fat idiot. <laughs> um, but... You know, we, we need strong leaders, and, and but but America kind of sets the tone. And when America is strong, when we have a strong Western leader, the others and we, they see how great our country is. Other countries want to elect the same. And so you saw that in Brazil with Bolsonaro. Yep. You saw that in Spain. Uh, sorry, in Italy. You see that uh, in, in Austria. When America has a strong leader, and, and they're strong, then the other countries they want to follow suit. But you have. 
a weak and decrepit leader in America right now. And, uh, and a lot of terrible things are happening across the world because of it. And so, uh, you know, I'm praying for uh, Prime Minister Abe's family mm-hmm. uh, during this difficult time. But, you know, we, we really need America to be strong when all of these Western countries are becoming so weak. Sure. And, you know, you do make a lot of sense there. You, you see some of our great historical allies, countries like Italy, France, the U.K., uh, Israel, all having big leadership problems right now. And it's because we don't have a strong American-led coalition to kind of be that staple that the world kind of sets the tone on. And you see a lot of our, you know, historical allies, people in the Middle East, Iran's been going crazy, Venezuela's been going crazy. Obviously, we've had, you know, China off the hook since uh, Joe Biden took over, just getting money everywhere. And then regardless of what the dynamic of, of President Trump and Vladimir Putin's relationship was when he was president. At the end of the day, you could say he held the guy in check, and he was the first person to do it in decades. And uh, no one's gotten more richer on the world scale as far as leadership goes than Vladimir Putin has since we've put the hardest sanctions yeah. in the history of sanctions on him. Those are good sanctions. Yeah. Yeah. The, the enemies of the world are benefiting from a weak America. Sure. And, uh, you know, it, it, you have to have a strong leader here. We set the tone for the rest of the world. And we are the protectors of freedom. And right now, we don't have any freedom in our country. We have no leadership in our country. And, and so China advances on, is going to advance on Taiwan. Russia advanced on Ukraine. Is that a bad thing? Who knows? Um, you know, Venezuela is going to get rich. You know, Joe Biden's idea to solve the gas problem was, I'm going to pick up the phone and call Venezuela. He could do something called open the Keystone Pipeline that yeah. he shut down. He could, he could renew the, the oil leases that he shut down in uh, to protect the environment. But it's so funny seeing all of these rhinos who voted to certify the 2020 election complaining about what's happening. Joe Biden com- campaigned on, I am going to shut down the uh, energy industry in yep. America. He said it word for word. He promised to do it. And now the rhinos are like, oh my gosh, it's such a bad thing. Meanwhile, every person with the brain understands the election was totally rigged. Yep. 146 members of the House, they did the right thing, and they objected to the unconstitutional election, and they knew what damage this guy would bring. Mm -hmm. But now the rhinos are finally waking up to it, or they just want to trick their voters into donating. But, you know, uh, he promised to do it. And so when you say – I guess you could say promises made, promises kept. Joe Biden wants to destroy American energy. He said he's going to do it. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I mean, he told, you know, union oil workers to their face in Pennsylvania, like, we're getting rid of this. The day one, uh, we're, we're shutting this down. We're not going to be doing any more drilling, and we're not going to be doing any more fracking. And uh, it's been a whole lot worse than anybody could have imagined. He put some of the uh, worst people in the places that know how to really tinker with the administrative state and work against the American people. In every, in every aspect, everything that we're struggling with, with the border, with, with inflation, with energy with the jobless claims every single thing that's going on in our country right now we all saw it coming he promised to do all of these things he promised to usher in these policies and and support these this american last agenda he wasn't hiding it and the media and the democrats and the rhinos who all helped him get into the oval office they are all complicit in the downfall of our country Mm -hmm. and so you know it's it's we can't act shocked. He said he was going to do it. Now he's doing it. Sure. So, you know, it's this deliberate destruction of our country. And that's something that I call treason. I, I completely agree with you. And, we, and we've been putting that narrative on the show since, you know, day one, just kind of bringing it to everybody's awareness and uh, reminding them all the things that, uh, you know, he said he was going to do. His administration is carrying out for him. 
Last thing I want to touch on you with, Alex, uh, I, sh- I saw you showed or shared an op-ed uh, today from Dr. Peter Navarro, who is one of Donald Trump's top assistants throughout the course of the Trump presidency. It talked about possible yays and nays in regards to uh, vice presidential picks moving down the road. Now, we all speculate that Donald Trump's going to announce at some point in the future that he's going to be running in 2024. We don't think it's going to be till after the midterm so he can help focus on getting all these candidates through. Uh, we, we do know that he's about to hit the rally season pretty hard and he's going to be campaigning all the way through, you know, the November elections. But uh, based off of that list and some of the people you see, in addition to maybe some of your opinions, who do you see as possible picks to, to be on the ticket with Trump? Well, you know, we're, we're quite a ways out about that. Everybody would like to see Ron DeSantis, but who knows what he's got planned. Right. Uh, a lot. You know, there's, there was a very troubling poll. I'm not sure if you saw it, but there was a poll about enthusiasm among Republican establishment donors for a particular candidate. And there's higher enthusiasm for Ron DeSantis among the establishment donor class uh, than any candidate since George W. Bush in the year 2000. So uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but that's a very troubling poll in my mind. I think that the Republican elite donor class has led to a lot of the destruction to our country. Yes. Uh, and so I hope Ron, uh, that does, I hope that, that feeling isn't mutual. Uh, and I hope Ron distances himself from the Ken Griffin types, from the elite donor class who hates the America First movement, who thinks that we're deplorables. And so I'm going to keep my eye on that. Uh, but I think Peter Navarro laid it out very well that Glenn Youngkin is a total non-starter. Yep. Uh, you know, Glenn Youngkin's team, they wouldn't allow Glenn Youngkin to, to campaign with Donald Trump. They're like, we don't want Trump, but Trump's endorsement is really the one that got Youngkin over the hump with the turnout. Agreed. Uh, and so Youngkin, he, you know, his, his Wall Street connections and his Wall Street ties are very troubling. And, uh, yeah, something to watch is who gets rich off of these failed presidential campaigns. Yeah. So Young, Youngkin, he's worth almost $500 million personally. And so he's got his consultant saying, go run, Glenn. You, you're the future of the GOP. Everybody loves you. In reality, nobody loves this guy except for maybe if the voters of Virginia. But I think they hated the, the Democrats more than they loved Youngkin. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, they're going to go get this guy to run. They're going to put up national ad buys all across the country, spend tens of millions of dollars on his, on his campaign. He's going to get 1% of the vote. And then his consultants are going to go laughing all the way to the bank. And so... I hope Youngkin has a brain in his head and recognizes that that's what they're trying to do, but who knows? Uh, but, you know, Governor Christy Nome has, has been, uh, you know, I know she's had a couple slip-ups, but Governor Christy Nome has been a lower, loyal fighter to President Trump. She's been great. Uh, you know, Elise Stefanik is, is coming on. She's been, uh, she's very popular among Trump in the mega world, and we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, who knows? We're, we're ways out. But all I know is that Mike Pence isn't going to be it because Mike no. Pence <laughs> is really, really a traitor right now, isn't he? Yeah, you can't really have Judas around the same ticket with the savior of the of the party for the last half decade. It would, it would just be weird. Um, we, we did see some other names on there. Josh Hawley, we kind of like him to a point. Tom Cotton was on there. I'm not really a huge fan. I heard he was running around crying in the halls of Congress on January 6th. Yeah, kind of a we're, we're not going to do we're not going to do Tom Cotton. Yeah, Tom, definitely Tom, not doing Tom, that. Tom Cotton's a big no. The guy, the guy talks a big game, but when the when you need him, he he's nowhere to be found. He reminds me of a guy who I who I refer to as Lady G. Oh, I like uh, that. You might know him as Lindsey Graham, but uh, <laughs> I think Tom Cotton and Lindsey Graham are are two peas in a pod. 
we know she, her very well on this show. Um, yeah, and then we also saw, well, we've heard a little insider trading that Ambassador Rick Grinnell might be getting floated as a possible, uh, maybe just to kind of get the, the ball rolling and then he'll fall off and some other people get in. But maybe that's kind of the, the level or caliber of person that he's looking at right now. Rick um, Grinnell's a phenomenal guy. Yeah, he's an whatever, absolute. Whatever, whatever post he serves in, he's going to make a huge difference because nobody gets the America First movement especially when it comes to foreign policy, quite like Rick Grinnell. He's, he's a totally brilliant guy when it comes to that. Yeah, it was. Uh, he definitely is. And when he saw that Fox News hit piece last night, let me tell you something, Oof. the text messages were fire. Alex, this has been great having you back on the show. We, of course, like we said, love seeing how your commentary has just really dialed into the pulse of the America First movement. You're one of the people literally at the forefront on so many different levels uh, out there working hard on behalf of uh, you know all the American citizens who want to see this country do better, and and President Trump, who we know you're extremely loyal to. We appreciate everything that you do, and we want to be able to direct as much as our listenership who's not already following you to do so. So if you want to give us your website and social medias, we'll live link them in the show description today. Awesome. Just follow at Alex Bruzewitz on on all the platforms. Perfect. And uh, hopefully this won't be the last time you'll be on. We'll be, of course, looking to have you back at some point in the future. And uh, just like to see you continue to do what you're doing, sir. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. This is the CEO of X Strategies, Alex Brucewitz. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. All right, joining us next on the show today, she is a proud conservative Republican, and she is the 2022 nominee for North Carolina one, running for a U.S. House seat. Joining us on the show for the first time, Sandy Smith. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Yeah, ma'am, it's our pleasure. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us. How's everything going with you? How's the campaign trail treating you? It is very busy and it's going very good. We're really excited. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but they redrew the congressional districts here in North Carolina. And this district is now one of the targeted races. Um, It's a open seat because I sent our sitting congressman into retirement. So he did not want to run against me. And uh, now this is a true uh, toss up district. So uh, we have a real opportunity to, to take the seat and take that gavel out of Nancy Pelosi's hand and make her powerless. Hey, you guys are absolutely crushing it down there. We've had some America First candidates come out of North Carolina as well, run through the show. Uh, Ted Budd, who's running for Senator's seat. And then Bo Hines is a frequent guest on our show as well. He's running in, uh, he's the nominee for North Carolina 13. So tell us about the newly redesigned district there in NC1. What's the demographic like and what are some of the people experiencing right now that are drawing them so in great numbers to your campaign? Absolutely. Well, first of all, they drew the district so it's now more Republican than it was before. Uh, I believe it is around 50% white, it's 42% black, and then Hispanic, Asian are single digits. Um, what's really interesting about the district, it's uh, we have a lot of rural Democrats, and they do not align uh, with the urban Democrats. Their ideologies are very conservative. They are very pro-life, pro-family. And so they, fe- you know, they feel that they have someone who's going to be fighting for them. And that's why a lot of them have come over and supported me and my run for Congress, because they want someone who's not going to sit back and want to indoctrinate our children with sexualization in the classroom, like my opponent. And, um, you know, want somebody who understands what it's like to work in the private sector. So um, it's really, it's really exciting. Yeah, it is. You know, we, we had on um, Monica De La Cruz at the top of the show today, uh, she's the nominee for Texas uh, 15, and she's part of that newly, well, announced yesterday by the New York Times rise of the right-wing 
Latinas down there in <laughs> Texas. But, you know, when she came on, she talked about the same thing. It, it's border security. It's getting back to the family. It's bringing God back to the forefront of a lot of these campaigns. It seems like, you know, since the administration's changed last year, a lot of the things that were important to this country have been purposely removed. And it seems like the people who are actually going to vote in the elections coming up, especially in places like North Carolina, are missing a lot of those things because they've so been negatively affected in the workplace, uh, education in regards to their children. Um, there's still a lot of mandate stuff going on. And then, of course, like the economy. You're absolutely correct. And like you mentioned, border security, that is huge. Even here in North Carolina, a lot of folks, especially Democrats, will say, oh, it has nothing to do with us. We're not a border state. Every state in our union is a border state. And we are being invaded on the southern border. And they are flying and busing these illegals all across our country, to include here in North Carolina. A matter of fact, on the other side of the state, they rented a school and are now housing these uh, undocumented immigrant children who we don't know. They might be actually uh, you know, victims of uh, human trafficking. Yeah. Not only that, but they're shipping these drugs. And fentanyl is a huge issue. It's killing thousands and thousands of people in our community, especially our our. our our uh, community between the ages of 18 and 42 it is like it's just like a, it's it's terrible so we have to secure that border and uh, and there's oh gosh i can go on and on now there's a lot of uh, house candidates that have come on that have talked about impeachable offenses there's a lot of people who are uh, leaning towards the, the the crisis that's going on, on the southern border right now might spell the end for current dhs secretary alejandro mayorkas do you think the uh Basically, the way the border has crumbled underneath his leadership will probably lead to articles of impeachment come the January of next year. Absolutely. The first thing we're going to do is open up our energy here in the U.S. and open up our pipelines. And the second thing is we're going to go after impeachment of, of Joe Biden and his entire administration for the lack and, and the, the negligence that they have, have done on the southern border. Oh, we like to hear that. Sandy, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. You know, we've seen recently... Uh, the establishment media, the George Soros-funded media, really going after the America First candidates. Uh, some of the most notable ones, uh, we've seen you know, some smear campaigns against Herschel Walker and his family recently. I don't know if you caught it last night, but on Fox News they had uh, someone who's like completely irrelevant and running in third place in the uh, Arizona governor's race come on. And the only mention of Carrie Lake that they said, who's clearly the front runner there is that she was a former Obama door knocker. Uh, this is the kind of attacks that are going on right now uh, against the nationalist populist movement in this country. A lot of the uh, people who support Trump era policies that are running in midterm election races right now, you've been under attack by some of the establishment media. Why don't you tell our listenership a little bit about that? Oh yeah, it's it's been it's crazy. I mean, they they are screaming desperation. Um, what's interesting is they tend to target us strong conservative women. They go after us with these uh, smear campaigns, attack our families, and even when they know it is false. And what's even more uh, outrageous is they are giving these people that have committed crimes against uh, you know people like myself and other candidates a platform in elevating them and basically praising them for uh, things like domestic violence and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, it, 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 you know, my primary got super nasty, but the thing is the people, the voters here in Eastern North Carolina spoke out. They don't buy into the garbage 
I mean, some of the stuff was so outlandish. We actually said, you know, it, 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 it's ridiculous. Uh, the, the frying pan incident, which was totally false, which yep. the person who made that statement actually is now backpedaled and is kind of retracting it. Uh, to it to an extent when it's saying oh well it didn't really you know kind of that kind of thing but they're doing it to all of us across the country because they are scared of strong conservative america first women and down in arizona we need carrie lake she's who we need as a governor in arizona she's gonna close that border and build that wall yeah, you guys are coming on so strong. It's really been, you know, we talk about it almost on every show. So impressive and and refreshing to see the diversity that all you gals are bringing across the nation right now in the form of America First campaigns running for House seats, Senate seats, governorships, et cetera. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's good to see the amount of uh, power you guys are going to bring to the uh, House and Senate next year. It's, it's definitely going to be something to watch, to, to say the least. Um, you know, I know that you were very outspoken against the recent uh, allegations of uh, – Strategic oil reserves misconduct on behalf of the Biden administration. We've saw uh, in, the, in the past few months a combined 2.5 million barrels of our strategic oil reserves shipped to India and China. Uh, there might even be some Hunter Biden connections there. Uh, you want to talk on that one real quick? Absolutely. I mean, this, this is another issue that we need to investigate. You know, Hunter Biden and the Biden family is making money on the backs of Americans. And how dare they sell our national oil reserves to China? Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to either turn around and uh, hold withhold it from us if we need to buy some oil from them, yep. or they're going to charge us three times the amount. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. We need to be focused on American energy and stop selling our reserves. This is, this is a total failure of the Biden administration. Yeah. And Hunter Biden and Joe Biden need to be prosecuted. Yeah, we'd like to see charges eventually come up for Hunter Biden. He's been under so many investigations, it's it's not even funny. It was What wasn't funny was seeing him be the official greeter for the uh, Presidential Medals of Freedom that were given out earlier this week. I thought that was kind of a, well, equal parts embarrassment, but a cherry on top of the sundae for, you know, a, a perfect description of what this administration's all about. Sandy, I know you saw, and you're going to be able to do some work on it come January, uh, that representative, well, you could either call him, shifty shift or watermelon head. I think that's the newest one that Trump's using at the rallies right now. Uh, he, he's proposing legislation uh, that's going to kind of amend the NDAA where just in layman's terms, it's going to be impossible to provide any kind of oversight and investigations into things that they've lied about all the way back from like Russiagate and impeachment volume two, all the way up through like the January 6th committee and probably dealings with things like Hunter Biden. Uh, how can you speak on that to see like, we out there, you guys are all on the campaign trail saying, like, these America last policies and the lies that the left are producing right now are directly negatively hurting the American people. And at the same time, they're basically trying to, like, brush off the dust of their tracks to lead back to any of the lies they've been telling for the last 17 months. Absolutely. I'll, sell the, I'll say this. Every Republican needs to vote against that, and we need to fight strong against it. Um, because that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to cover their tracks and uh, make up for their lies and mistruths and their uh, schemes that they've tried to pull over on the American people. You know, I, I have to say, I love Don Jr.'s shirt. He, or somebody had a shirt, it said bullshit. And I thought that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that it was, was awesome. Because that's all they, they are full of bullshit. 
you know what? That guy's been lying since day one. We've talked about it on the show for the last two weeks. I don't know if you saw, like, two Sundays ago, he did, like, the round of, of Sunday morning talk shows and said how he has all the evidence that's going to definitely lead to Trump indictments in regards to January 6th. He just can't get ahead of the narrative and release it out there. And then we see, like, the big nothing burger was, like, the Cassidy Hutchison lies that came out uh, not too long ago where she basically – told a third person story that seemed like it was just fed information to uh, kind of just keep that committee. Well, it's not really relevant, but just in the news cycle. It, it's a total show trial. And I, I've got to say, if that actually happened, which let's say it did not happen, that was totally fabricated. Do you think we would not have heard about it, you know, until then? No, we would have heard about this months, if not years ago. So it was, it was totally manipulated lied. Somebody it's his, has promised somebody something along the lines to get her to say that, and it's shameful. Yeah, she and was. She's definitely looking for a golden parachute, and, and consequently, we saw it very quiet and under the radar. But the uh, person that's running the Secret Service right now has has put an end date for his service to the government, and will be stepping down mm. at some point soon after this kind of uh, big lie was revealed last week. How convenient, right? Sandy, we want to be able to direct as much of our listenership to follow you if they already aren't. Uh, get involved with your campaign, whether it's boots on the ground or donations from in and out of state voters. And of course, we're going to be looking to have you back at some point between now and the midterms. I would love to come back. If they would like to get involved in my campaign, please go to sandysmithnc.com. You can sign up to help. You can donate if you can't get um, help uh, with food, boots on the ground. If you want to follow me on social media, my handle on all platforms is Sandy Smith NC. Would love for you to follow us. And guys, thanks again for letting me come on and talk about the campaign. And we've got to take our country back. We 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 are going to do it. And with the listeners, we're going to we're, we can make it happen. All right, you're doing an amazing job. You keep it up. We wish you the best of health and, uh, um, you know. Good workings this summer in regards to the campaign, and uh, we'll be looking to have you back real soon. This is the America First candidate, the nominee on the Republican side for NC1. Sandy Smith, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. God bless you. All right. Best of the rest for uh, News 3, but we got to kind of focus on what the importance of uh, – you know, the news cycle is right now. We've already covered a lot of the uh, hot topics coming in. Hunter Biden's back in the news. We've seen changing of the guard in, uh, well, changing of the guard process starting in, in the U.K. and then obviously the assassination of uh, Shinzo Abe. But um, the Hunter Biden thing is just, it's really just telling on how much they just really don't give a shit anymore. Like, we're going to do what we want. Right. We're going to have a literal freaking rodeo clown come and just hang out in the White House it's just a joke, yeah, and last, they don't even care. They're just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Last month, smoking crack in rehab, and then two days ago, welcoming the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipients. <laughs> I just can't believe it. And, um, and, and the funny part about that is, yes, there were a couple vets and, and, and people who are really shining stars in this country that received those those medals of freedom, and it's, I'm sure it's an extremely distinguished honor. It's sad. Didn't you one know, of those medals go on backwards, they, too? They sure did, but Oof. listen, somebody tweeted about that. That's not what's important. What's no. important is the person. Uh, but, you know, you see pieces of shit like Megan Rapinoe, the former uh, captain of the U.S. Olympic team, get one. This is someone who... The <laughs> most anti-American, besides vehemently opposed to everything right. that our country stands for, and you're going to give her the Medal of Freedom? Well, besides Brittany Gray. what? Besides like, Brittany For what, being gay and, like, having pink hair? <laughs> like, like, uh, for what? yeah. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. Is, there any, is there anything else? I know, right? Well, you failed to mention it's besides Brittany Griner. Oh, yeah. Who's currently rotting in a Russian prison for bringing in vape pens with uh, marijuana oil in them. Good old vape pens. So next time she thinks about kneeling for the national anthem or turning her back to the flag 
and wondering why even like scumbags like Joe Biden won't bail you out. <laughs> her, her, her America last behavior has, has led directly to this. You know what? Before we get into this new segment, can we talk about a couple of things? Sure. About how base Tucker Carlson has been lately. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah. Antoinette, I don't know if you saw, yesterday he opened the show. His opening segment right off the transfer was the falling of the Georgia Guidestones, which I honestly don't care about. You know, it's like just a a whatever, you know, cool that it's gone, but it doesn't really affect anybody in their normal everyday lives. We haven't really even touched on like the CERN thing and people are like, oh, they were knocking knocking down one of the portals. Right. Shit's been popping (laughs) off since that, that, that thing fired back up, but uh, fucked up Instagram for a while. Sure did. Um, and we're getting actually traction on Twitter now, so it's weird. Keep that black yeah, right? hole. Maybe we're in going. an al- maybe we're in alternate dimension right now. Oh, we're not shadow banned on social media. <laughs> Timeline. I like it, but we might get swatted. Like... <laughs> you, you know, uh, so he opened the show yesterday with, you know, it was obviously a comedic skit, but reports of how the Guidestones were destroyed was that you know, state Senator from Rhode Island who like was twerking upside down in her campaign video. That's amazing. And she, he, he used the video of like her on top of the guidestones twerking. Stop it. Oh. No, he did not. And, oh my God. But, but that wasn't enough. Then last night, I guess Jason Chaffetz was filling in for Sean Hannity. And mm-hmm. when he went to pass the show over, he announced to his audience that in leaving the show, he was going to, burn everybody's retinas and went on to show the still images of Nancy Pelosi's America last milkers Mm. in that disgusting (laughs) bathing suit she was wearing in Italy as the transfer over. And Jason Chaffetz like came in to like hand the show over because I guess it went live to live. And he's like, bro, you're getting everybody to turn off the show. No one's going to watch the show. (laughs) I got him. Yeah, it was was pretty disgusting. But, you know, just some of the things Tucker Carlson doesn't give a shit. You could tell his his narrative. Like, we all know he is what he is, but it's so opposite of what they're trying to do on that channel right now. We've already talked about it extensively today. The hit piece on Carrie Lake last night was one of the most disgusting things I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. You bring on the third-place candidate in a race where she's winning by double digits and then talk about her in the fashion that she did just because – she, she went and embarrassed Brett Bear 10 days ago on the same channel. That was like the payback that they wow. were going to embarrass her. And they called her, you know, wasn't she an Obama door knocker back in, in whatever year he ran for president? And I was just like, you fucking pieces. So, of course, you know what I do? Text Rick Arnell, text Cash Patel. And I'm like, you guys watching this? I screenshotted it. I sent it to him. And they're like, Cash Patel was on it, shit posting on True Social. Rick Rennell said he was going to get it right with the big guy today. So... I don't think it'll be pretty soon that we'll be seeing Donald Trump sit down with Boomer Sweat's Hannity anytime soon. And uh, (laughs) you know what? For what it's worth, I don't think he would lose anything by cutting all ties with that network. Because Mm -hmm. honestly, the the only grift with him, he won't go on Tucker Carlson or Tucker Carlson won't have him. I don't know how that works, but they, they, he doesn't interview him. And he's the highest rated show. And the only thing he does is bring ratings to that network on Boomer Sweat's Hannity and Stroke Face friggin' Botox McQueenie Laura Ingram every time, you know, he goes on one of their shows for an interview and it does nothing except help Fox News. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then they can bring on guests in the days after that and, and, and talk about how what he said on those shows is not the real, you know, America First movement when we all know it's bullshit. But Fox will take their 15 minutes of fame with them anytime he can get them. And, in my personal opinion, and I know a lot of people who are closely directed to the president, listen to this show in portions. If you make it retention level to News 3 at the back end of the show, listen, he shouldn't be doing that. And, uh, 
you know, they, they should have to get down on their knees and beg. Paul Ryan has a major influence over that station, and when they do stuff like they did to Kerry Lake 10 days ago and like Laura Ingram did to Kerry Lake last night, absolutely disgusting. You're not helping. You're being a Jack Posobiec. That's what you're being. Ooh. So, I mean, that's that's literally what you're doing. I think. And I've been screenshotting all of his shit posts on Dr. Oz, and I'm eventually going to put it all together and try to figure this out. There's so many other shitty candidates out there, Jack. Please go and yeah, shit on them, too. Or, or stop shitting on Dr. Oz. It's going to be so pointless when we flip Nevada, Georgia, and Arizona, and you give Pennsylvania to the Democrats because you don't like them. Yeah, Listen. it's like we need to... We need to put somebody in that has a chance to win. Yeah, we, we all we all don't love him. We know he lives in New Jersey, and it's the middle of the summer. I know it's the campaign season, but if you want to go back and film a campaign commercial from his house, you don't need to have people not vote for him over it. So let, let's just you know win as many Senate seats as we can. We Oz needs to retain Pennsylvania. Eric Greitens needs to retain Missouri, and, and you know Ted Budd needs to retain North Carolina. And although Greitens and Budd might have easier routes because of the more overtness levels of their America first. You just got to remember Pennsylvania's purple. We just talked to, uh, you know, Senator Mastriano about it at the beginning of the show. He brings the America first agenda. He was at the forefront of stop the steal, but it's like his daddyish vibes that he brings that kind of resonates with the moderates and the independents and the people who are going to wind up winning that election for him in the, in the fall. And, and Dr. Oz is going to be the same way. And I thought you were going to say girls with daddy issues. Well, maybe them too. I mean, he listen for old, for an older guy. He's pretty big and handsome. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm not saying I'm man crushing on, on Doug Mastriano, but he he he's he's a looker. So I mean, I saw Antoinette swoon, googleizing them a little Ooh. bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> but let's get back into it. You know, the shit show that is the Biden administration. So nobody's more frustrated with this administration right now than the Democrats are. They're they're feeling the effects of what radical progressivism is really like, uh, you know, and, and it's that top one to 3% whose wallets aren't really affected because they don't care because they're all millionaires and billionaires, mm. as, as Senator Sanders would say. Eating Pelosi ice cream. There you go. But but it's the rest of the 97% of Democrats and, and, and a lot of independents who are frustrated. So we're, we're going to have a, a heap and helping of KGP and uh, the beating that she took over the last 48 hours from her podium. Let's hear some of it. The published reports today say overall frustration among Democrats with President Biden. Is this administration concerned about that criticism from Democrats? No. And it also says the president They're is incapable not. of the urgency needed uh, because of uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. Any response from the administration to those published reports? So when you say Democrats, you mean Demo yeah. elected officials or? Elected Democratic officials. Okay. Overall frustration with the Biden administration. So here's the here's the thing I've 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 heard of I've heard of this. Um, the president has shown, if you look at the different issues that have come up most recently, in particular, uh, let's start with with gun violence. Mm. Um, the president showed urgency. He showed fury. He showed he fury. showed um, frustration. Mm. Uh, he spoke to that issue uh, at, at every time that he could, whether he was a Uvalde or Buffalo or did a primetime address. And we were able to get um, a first step, still a lot more to do, a bipartisan uh, uh, 
gun reform piece of legislation, which is something that has we have not seen in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that is because of his leadership. And the Republicans uh, who hate Donald same Trump. Same thing that he was able to do 30 years ago uh, when we saw the assault weapons ban. Stop it. So that he showed urgency there, and we were able to deliver in a bipartisan way. When it, come, when it comes to Roe v. Wade, uh, within hours of the announcement of the decision that we heard from SCOTUS, he put forth executive uh, authorities that went into that went into effect uh, with uh, the medication that's approved medication from FDA and also making sure that uh, calling on DOJ uh, to protect women who are crossing the lines because they have to make decision on their health. Last time I checked, they don't have, uh, what is it, interstate checkpoints on whether or not you're going to get an, uh, an abortion somewhere. Yeah, do you have to do you have to hide in the trunk when you when you cross the checkpoint there? Gosh, Antoinette, you've seen over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of uh, people on the radical left who have proposed utilizing national parks uh, to set up abortion clinics in uh, blue states. That sounds pretty fucking disgusting, don't you think? Disgusting. I mean, these people... <laughs> uh Make it stop. The insanity is just just when you think it can't get worse. Well, you're not wrong there uh, because one of the networks that's usually propping up Joe Biden, CNN, well, they talked about some of the uh, presidential policies he's been bringing to the table as of late. And the narrative might surprise you. New CNN reporting this morning about an overwhelming sense of frustration among Democrats Hmm. over what is being described as mismanagement inside the Biden administration. One member of Congress calls the White House rudderless, (laughs) aimless, and hopeless. Rudderless. Joining us now, CNN senior reporter Edward Isaac Dover, who broke this story. Isaac, the call is coming from within the caucus. I mean, these are Democrats telling you these things. What are they saying? Well, John, that's right. Like, there is a lot of frustration that they want more action out of President Biden. They feel like days, weeks go by. There's not enough uh, going on to say that they're taking decisive moves to uh, combat inflation. Obviously, it's a big problem that is very complicated, but still, they'd like to see some activity around it. And they'd like to see that on other things. They'd like to see more decision making go on. They'd like to see uh, some accountability when it comes to even firing people over the baby formula situation Mm -hmm. uh, or other things uh, before that 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 have continued to crop up in this administration, in this White House. And they feel like this is feeding a problem that the, the president has and the Democrats have going into the midterms in November, that there is not enough decisive action going on, that people don't feel like they're responsive enough to all of the problems that are there. And it's also feeding some doubts about where President Biden would be for re-election in 2024. Yeah, which is something we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, that there's been pressure from inside the, the Democrat Party for him to put out there as early as possible the fact that he doesn't want to run for re-election, which would come after the midterms, obviously. And that's another thing, too. He talked about accountability for a lot of the things that have been failing in regards to some of the uh, America last policies that they've been pushing for the last 17 and a half months. However, I've heard that people within the administration can't get fired because it would basically be an admittance of failure, um, that either they appointed the wrong person or the person that they appointed uh, went out and did a terrible job, which they're doing, but that's why we haven't seen basically any heads roll. Well, you've got enough people walking away, which is the next point I want to get to. So, you know, we touched on it a little bit. So uh, one of Joe Biden's longest and most trusted staffers, one who he claimed was uh, responsible for helping him get over the finish line, 
in the uh, 2020 presidential election has announced that she's leaving the administration. Uh, they tried to keep it under the radar. It leaked out to the media, obviously, because we're seeing a lot more of that from the administration now. So I saw it back and forth. Uh, I believe it was on Twitter where Politico, one of the staffers who was writing an article on it, wanted disposition, and the White House kept trying to put it off, put it off, put it off. Long story short, one of the emails was like at 2.53 in the afternoon, and they're like, listen, we want to run with this piece before close of the business day. Can you give us like anything on it? And they're like, uh, give us more time. We'll, 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 we'll get you whatever narrative we're trying to shape. And you know, the next email came at like three eleven PM. So I, essentially 20 minutes later, they're like, fuck that. We're running with the story. And they released it and it became kind of a little firestorm. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the administration's not being honest about the things that are going on behind the scenes. And when you're losing high level staffers, especially one who's supposedly one of his most trusted, uh, it, it's pretty big news. Um, KJP was asked about this one as well. And, uh, you know, what you wanted to say about Kate Benningfield? Well, probably not going to surprise anybody. If you think that the, your plan is popular with the American people, is it just that the plans are not being communicated properly? <laughs> and is that why the communications director is leaving? Ouch. Oh, that's where you were going with this question. <laughs> no, that's very slick there of you, Peter. Well, why, why is she really leaving? I mean, uh, I, well, she, she said why she is leaving. Look, let me just say oh, something. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. You're asking me. At a time that a historic number of people think the country's on the wrong track, Somebody who has been a part of Biden world for as long as just about well, anybody here says that Biden she world. Is well, first, let me just say I explained that we understand what the American public is feeling. The president is doing everything in his power to lower costs, uh, mm. to blunt uh, gas prices, as he has Where's been doing. Garrison and we have, we have done that. So I just want to speak about Kate for a second, because I think this is really important. I've known Kate uh, since 2007. She is a friend and she is a colleague. Mm. She is exceptionally talented and she will be greatly missed. Uh, her smart skills and hard work helped get the president elected oh. and has helped us accomplish so much since we've been so here. So she was in charge of free and for like all mail-in voting. A note, she's a good friend and a colleague and we are going to miss her. Now, you're asking me, basically you're asking me, her leaving and what does that mean, right, to to yeah. the administration? Look, I don't think her leaving uh, will have effect on what we're trying to do, mm. because look, she leaves behind a talented team uh, in communications department, and the president will name a new communications director. There's nothing new here. These things happen, and I do want to call out um, a data by Brookings oh, showing some data. that turnover in this administration is below the historical average going back. To Reagan. Wait, so what? what we're seeing here is not unusual. What we're seeing here is 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 normal. And what <laughs> we're going to continue to do is we're going to communicate with the American people in the truthful way, and we're going to do that every day. The, the, the truthful way was that's <laughs> the icing on the cake for that. Okay, so you're the numbers guy. Is there anything true to that whatsoever? Have you looked into the actual? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. A little no, bit but earlier. I mean, like, have you like? Legit, like, here are the numbers. This Here's is... the numbers. She is not telling the <laughs> truth on that. In, in the same amount of time, if you compare Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump, just line up the, the months of their presidency, uh, Joe Biden has about 50 more staffers than Donald Trump had, and he's lost approximately 90 of them to this point. And Donald Trump ran with about 50 less than Joe Biden's combined staff. Remember, he wanted to do it uh, ahead of time and, and, and under budget. He wasn't costing the American people as much money. He lost five. So you could do the math there. I guess Donald Trump may have had one of the most non-historically accurate uh, amounts of staffers leave. Not historically accurate. Yeah. 
I, I just, I don't get it. Uh, but I don't get a lot of the things that are coming out of this administration, namely uh, why the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, is the transportation secretary because, uh, well, for some reason he decided to go on Fox News and even though it was with, uh, well, he's a boomer sweats inducer too, Neil Cavuto, they got into the uh you know, discussion of gas prices, and you could just tell how out of touch or not give a shit this administration is when he started to answer questions about it. Let's hear it. After that increase started prior to the first Russian soldiers arriving near Ukraine, you can't blame it all on the Ukraine, right? What about the other half? Well, that <laughs> no, was, what about the other half? No, that, that's that, a, that's that, a pretty that, important half. Well, then, no, no, yeah, no, but, but, but that, that half about, before look, we had run means. up. You, the, your administration has blamed this on the, 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 you know, the war, and that was certainly a big factor. But gas prices had gone up Very 50 percent already before the war. So Damn. to me, that's half yeah. of the blame, not all the blame. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> what do you think, Antoinette? She's not lying. <laughs> no. So the the gas prices had gone up 15% and, and now they're gone up a whole bunch more. Yeah. So it, it, it's one of those things where you really have to take into consideration gas prices were already heading in the direction they were going in because of the overt attack on the energy sector. And, uh, you know, before this even started. Exactly. So it's, I mean, I'm surprised he said that, but like, obviously the truth because you don't really hear that much truth from these people but yeah obviously everything was going up before the war yeah due to the america last policies of this administration yeah. and uh you know it's one of those things where you have these people who have no idea what they're doing and they could honestly care less because it doesn't affect them mm -hmm. and you know they go on tv and they just try to rattle off talking points and it's just not working anymore yeah um, people yeah, they're just absolutely fed up. And we're, we're reaching a breaking point right now because, you know, we're, we're in the midst of the summer and, and you've got, um, you know, energy bills through the roof. And, well, you know, we, we talked about it last week. People are, are literally making the difference right now on, on, you know, decisions for their family on whether they should cool their home or pay their car payment or pay their car payment or pay their mortgage. Or cool their home or sleep if you, if you work at night. <laughs> yeah, and they just really can't make it right now, and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. We're talking about, you know, we're, we're like in the front half of July, first third of July, and they're talking about the inflation rate by uh, the end of September going up another 2.7% nationally, which means in states where it's already higher than the national average, like places in Nevada, California, where, where we're operating out of, uh, it going up considerably more. Just imagine that. Oof. Oh, God. Don't even want to. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting destroyed here. And uh, I can tell you one person who doesn't care, Joe Biden. He, he was uh, doing whatever he does best, mumbling and fumbling through, you know, whatever he was talking about yesterday. Listen here, Jack. Yeah, talking about how great of a jobs president he's been. You know, you know, it's pretty funny. Uh, throughout the course of the Trump presidency, we saw, like, the economy grow, I believe it was, in totality, $6.9 trillion. And since the start of the Biden administration, which is considered by them the greatest economy in the history of the galaxy, Perfect. we've seen an $11 trillion loss. Wow. Um, they've also proposed yesterday... Uh, a green energy package, which is going to cost half a trillion dollars 
now in the middle of this pre-recession or for initial stages of a recession that we're in right now. And we won't see a return on that because it's a, it's a 10 year analysis that shows it could possibly generate $1 trillion worth of revenue. Mm. Yeah. Just imagine, uh, you know, the kind of investment you would have to make to hope that it would eventually do that. Right. And, uh, you know, what portions of, of the energy sector uh, would be even more destroyed by this. Um, we saw Joe Biden talking yesterday uh, about how great of a jobs president he's been. Let's see how many times Noah could hit the garrison. I remember what the economy was like when I was elected a country in a Economer? pandemic with no real plans how to get out of it. Oh. Millions of people out of their jobs. Families and cars, remember, backed up for literally miles. Oh. Waiting for a box of food to be put in their trunk. Oh. Just a box of food to be put in their trunk because they didn't have enough to eat. He's remixing. Oh. Previous administration lost more jobs in its watch than any administration since Herbert Hoover. False. That's Damn. a fact. All based on failed trickle-down economics that benefited the wealthiest Americans and hit the middle class and working people the hardest. But we came in with a fundamentally different economic vision. An economy that grows from the bottom up and the middle out. Hmm. It's good for everyone because when the middle class does well, the poor of a ladder up and the wealthy still do very well. What? Huh? Noah, can you be honest with you? I, I'm kind of retarded. Like it. What's the poor of the ladder up? Uh, people that do construction? They have a ladder? Yeah, this is where we're at right now. Um, in our last KGP clip, well, first of all, they asked her yesterday if she thought we were starting a recession, and her answer was no. Next question. Perfect. Um, but it's one of those things. Uh, popularity is, is also extremely important, and, and what we can do with it. Uh, this administration is definitely not popular, and the American people are definitely expressing it at the ballot box so far in these midterm elections. But, and of course, in a trolling matter, his follow-up question to the one he previously played uh, from Peter Ducey, asked about, hey, maybe nobody just likes your plans. And, wow. uh, yeah, let's see what she had to say about that. Do you think it's possible that your plan just is not popular with the American people right now? I don't think it's that our plan is not popular with the American people. We know that the American people are feeling um, – the high cost. We understand what they are feeling. Well, what are you because, feeling about? Because mm. when you look at inflation, when we look at where we are economically, and mm. we are in a strong, uh, we are stronger economically than we have been uh, in history. When you look at the unemployment numbers at 3.6 percent, uh, when you look at the jobs numbers, uh, more than 8.7 million of, of new jobs created. Mm. That is important. But we understand that Gas prices are high, and we understand that food costs are high, and that is because the president's of son is high. Once, once in a generation <laughs> pandemic, and also Thank you, Noah, war, and that's for your contribution fact. to the show today. <laughs> I like it. Crazy. She's like, fucking nuts, right? I, I can't believe what she's. <laughs> well, I mean, I can, but the amount of pathological <laughs> lying that's coming out of this administration is like the the, the yeah. lies I've never heard before. It's it's like it, literally out of a dystopian movie. Now they're just taking the piss and gaslighting people yeah. just to do it, you know? Yeah. Sorry you can't buy fucking value menu food to feed your family anymore, but don't worry, it is the best jobs economy in the history of the fucking universe, so <laughs> Let's suck like... it, America. Repeat no. the line. 
crazy. In our last audio clip of the week, and we are going to end on a, end on a high note because someone just reshared it, so I found it was able to gather it for us. We are going to uh, experience Tucker talking about the destruction of the Georgia Guy Stones <laughs> and the uh, seismic event that led to uh, its fallout. Ready for this one, Noah? Mm. Coming in. Happened to them. There are reports tonight that a certain state senator from Rhode Island was seen in the area. We just received this. We can't verify its authenticity. The news show, though, and we want to bring you the news as we get it. So here's the picture we received. And the theory is the stones oh. were torqued <laughs> into pebbles. And now we're just a pile of gravel. Again, we can't confirm that, but we wanted at least to raise the possibility that that's what happened. We're on that story for tomorrow night. But for... You know what? I think between... That link, please, because I have to see it. <laughs> I'll send it to our group chat. In, in, between that clip and Nancy Pelosi's America Last Milkers... Uh, just stop saying that. It makes me cringe every time you say it. Mm, just picture that. <laughs> just imagine she wasn't wearing a bathing suit. Lord. Uh, I don't want to... Uh... We... Uh... Oh, I was hungry. So there you go. Wasn't thirsty. Want some Oreos? No. She's got some. I, mean, I, I was surprised, I, like, how big her boobs are, to be fair. I say it every to once in a while. To be fair. I, I say it every once in a while. It, it's really sad to say Nancy Pelosi is like a spitting image of my grandma on my dad's side. Really? Yeah. They're like from the same part of Italy. Uh, and it's just like everybody from there looked the same way. And. Yeah, it's just one of those things I get haunted every time I see her, and now I'll never be able they to. Look, they look two different places at the same time. <laughs> so, you don't have to worry about her going around mountain passes because the high beams are always on. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty Ooh. sad to say that that's the state of the, the union for the week, but uh, we'll continue to, you know, well, not track Nancy Pelosi's boobs, but see what else happens over the weekend and be all ready to. Uh, Maybe that photo is what drove Hunter back to. Falling, falling down the, the, the path. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's into some pretty weird shit. Yeah, he might be into it. So, you, I, yeah, he, he like I don't know who records themselves doing drugs. I mean, I've heard of like tweakers and stuff doing weird stuff like that, but the guy has recorded himself so many times. Yeah, Why? You, uh, Wait, so he was like, I, I haven't seen the video. He's literally like doing a selfie video of him smoking crack again. Yeah, it, it's like with night vision too. It, so. Weird. No, but was it somebody like filming from? No, I think he was filming himself. And he, so he's using like a, cam, a camcorder. <laughs> yeah, was, I don't you, get it either. It's so weird. So it's like, like, for a while, I'm like, is he recording himself or is this like footage? Guys, that you, was you, you, can you imagine it? those conversations? Like, listen, son, I get it. Oh, they. they but I, you got to stop filming it. I guarantee they completely shield him from that stuff. Oh, he has no idea. Yeah, if they ever hit him up with like, all right, let's watch these video clips, he'd probably have a fucking stroke and die. Oh, can we do Imagine that? Imagine they showed him the... Uh, no, I mean, not to like make him have The a stroke Skittles on the pee-pee. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Taste the rainbow? People sure did. Mm. Yeah, and... Uh, well, I tried to end on a good note, but... Uh, there we are. Here back, we are. Back down. Yeah, but you can rest assured we'll, we'll be tracking all the news over the, uh, the weekend and uh, most likely have a less unadulterated version of it to bring you on this coming Tuesday. Excellent way to end the week as we uh, conclude the recording for our 150th show. Congratulations, guys. Oh, thanks. Uh, if you uh, enjoyed this one as much as Noah enjoys hitting the Mr. Garrison button, you could follow us across uh, 
about every downloadable podcasting platform. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, and now even on Frake Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds. Go to all our amazing guests today. Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania, Senator Doug Mastriano. America First nominee from Texas 15, Monica De La Cruz. America First nominee from North Carolina 1, Sandy Smith. And one of our favorite voices out there in the conservative movement, Alex Brusowitz. In addition to that, some of our internet friends. Category 88, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, Hugh White Memes, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Pappert, the editor-in-chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at all of our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, Mike Lindell, Apparatus, Big Big Savings, Stake at Checkout, MyPillow.com forward slash stake. If you don't like websites, you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things in-studio recording related can be found at Odyssey. They are literally the best headphones you will ever own. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. If you would like a uh, Kydex Conceal Carry holster that no, features. Don't no, don't do it. Oh, yeah. Don't do it. Nancy Pelosi's jugs. <laughs> They'll throw it on there for you and get orders out faster than ever before. Damn. Stay- StayReadyGear.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Speaking of those... No. S-tier milkers. Uh. Man rubs. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to eat again. There you go. Listen, you buy it, you You're, shake we're it. We're trying to make the sponsor sell shit, not not sell shit. Not. <laughs> Sprinkle it, rub it in real good. No. Throw it in the slow cooker, the smoker, or on the barbecue. You drizzle a little barbecue sauce on it. Stay away from the milk and then right in your mouth. Num, num, num. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's got a five-star rating. Been service in Southern California. He's licensed FFL if you live in a different state. He's got a pretty easy equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. You can talk to him on Facebook Messenger. He's been getting a lot of stuff in lately. Or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love everything they got going on down there. Probably their Instagram a little bit more. If you want to get Nancy Pelosi out of your head and some actual jugs in there, you want to head over to... uh, MediocreMedic.com's uh, Instagram account. And then last but certainly not least, treat yourself. It's payday for some people out there. Go buy some Zero Fucks Duck-related materials. Don't know? Mark Joe Friday's got all your answers. Dumpbox.us. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We're coming back in hot on Tuesday. We're going to have two America First nominees first. Well, they always come on the show together, sometimes for a roundtable, sometimes separately. They're both back again. Georgia 10 nominee, defeater of Vernon Jones, Mike Collins will be here. And, of course, one of everybody's favorites, Washington 3's America First candidate, Joe Kent. Next Friday, we've got a great one. Senator Eric Greitens is going to be coming in for a campaign update ahead of his August 2nd primary. We're going to do the news with Miss Christina Bob and sit down with former Trump admin official, Garrett Ziegler. Boris Epstein's coming in to, well, he's coming in hot like he does everywhere else. On the 19th of July, Cash Patel's going to be here on the 26th. And we just confirmed today, Ambassador Rick Grinnell will be joining us on August 2nd. Friends of the Week. Let's see who we got. Let's go, Brenda. Silent majority, mostly peaceful, grand old memes. Sanchez memes. Some outstanding ones this week. Not far out. 
Brick Suit had a couple bangers. Nancy Pelosi related, of course. Yeah. Sorry, the real meme DeLorean, dank Elvis, dumbass Photoshop, Machiavelli memes, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, thanks for remember over the course of the weekend. Number one, do your own research. We had a lot of guests today. We asked them a lot of relevant questions. I may have just peeked at their Twitters before they came on, or I did a little research. Probably a little of both. Number two, start a podcast. Know how'd we do today? That's pretty good. You're welcome. Uh, number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We fail to talk about American greatness as much as we should be talking about it. We need to start talking about it again. And last, but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 150 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back on Tuesday. So far, we've got Mike Collins and Joe Kent lined up. Nice. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Rowan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Hi. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and take care. Talking to me or somebody else walking this room? What's that supposed to mean? It means you are dreaming. This is payday, it is over. You know, you, when, when you have trouble with the cops, you pay them off like everybody else because that's the way things are done. But not you, huh? No. They don't run me, and you don't run me. I give you houses, I give you a car, you're family. I thought you'd come around. What the hell is this? What? Where is gratitude? Where is my end? You can't see day for night. I can see my money is still in your pocket, which is from the yield of my labor. What gratitude? You're making big profits from my work, my risk, my sweat. But that is okay. Because I elected it to make that deal. But now, the deal is over. I want my end, and I am out. Why don't you join a labor union? I am wearing it. Frank, don't. Do it, Slick. My money in 24 hours, or you will wear your ass for a hat. I tell you, what I tell you.